Yellow again, everybody. Lance Russell and Dave Brown right along ringside. By golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon Sully, your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, another outstanding card. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories each and every week here on the show. And I am your host, Ray Russell, and this week, guys, jumping back in to Georgia Championship Wrestling 1981 with guest co-host Jamie Ward. Had a lot of fun last week. Want to thank Roman Gomez once again for returning, doing a little more UWF 1986. Roman going to be back soon, going to knock more of that out. But for right now, Jamie going to join the show this week as we finish out the month of May all the way back in 1981. But before we do that, just a friendly reminder, guys, that you can listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast and our sister shows like the Wrestling Memory Grenade, closing out the year of 1987, about to jump into the 1988 in the WWF Project over there on the Grenade. Also, take a listen to Monday Warfare, The Battles Within. It's all about Raw versus Nitro as I break down that weekly episodic beautiful thing known as the Monday Night War, one week at a time. Right now in the summer of 96, New episodes of Monday Warfare coming very soon, guys. Stay tuned. And let's not forget our latest podcast to join the WrestleCopia brand. I'm talking about the Wrestling Stoop podcast with the wrestling legend himself, Bob Roop. Lots of great feedback on the debut episode dropped last week. Bob and I had a lot of fun recording that show. A new show coming out this week as well. Stay tuned. Be on the lookout for that one. We are planning to drop Bob Roop and the Wrestling Stoop podcast each and every Wednesday. And we've also got a couple more shows headed soon to the network in the next few weeks as well. So stay tuned for more details as the time draws closer there. But you can listen to all of these shows that I just mentioned and so much more over at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met from Apple to Spotify, Google and beyond. Also, you can follow me on social media, guys, for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history all around the social media, including you guys can follow me on X, the former Twitter, now X. You can follow me there at Wrestling Grenade. It's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me, Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And while you're at it, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, guys. That's YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Uploading new footage all the time. More than 500 videos and counting right now up there on my YouTube channel. And don't forget, guys, those 1986 UWF shows I've been doing with Roman, each and every episode of TV dropping on my YouTube to coincide with those shows so you guys can watch along and follow along with us in chronological order. And last but certainly not least, now would be a fantastic time to become a WrestleCopia patron, guys, talking about that $5 all-access tier. And you can find me there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Now, getting back to it, talking about $5 all-access tier, guys, what does it include? Well, it includes all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes, pages upon pages of show notes for every episode of The Grenade, Monday Warfare, and, of course, the Regional Wrestling Podcast. You'll also get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia, where you can listen days and sometimes more than a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. As you patrons already know, 
The first couple episodes of Bob Roop's show dropped a week early. Also, pretty much every episode of The Grenade and Regional Wrestling at least drop in a few days early. But there's still more, guys. You're going to get remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show covering the 1989 NWA project. Includes enhanced sound quality, plus new content and conversation originally edited out of the initial broadcast, edited right back into the show. But that's still not all. You also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, plus random bonus video drops, and of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday Night's Man events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. And you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. No subscription. Cancel anytime. Show your support. Give it a try for a month. I think you'll like all the content that I offer, and every penny of it goes right back here to pay the bills at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So please, if you have a few bucks to spare, looking to support that next up-and-coming podcast brand, please consider making it WrestleCopia. So if you guys can, help me pay some of the bills to keep the WrestleCopia Podcast Network and all these wonderful shows up and running for the months and the years to come. And now with all of that said, all of that out of the way, it's time to bring back Jamie Ward. But before we can do that, we've got to take a deep dive back in time. Yes, indeed, guys. Let's go back to Georgia Championship Wrestling 1981. And it's about that time. Going to bring him back on the show. It's been a little over a month since we talked, but Jamie and I, we've been corresponding through text messages online, but it's very good to have him back right here on the show. You guys know who I'm talking about. You've heard him before on the Stick to Wrestling podcast with John McAdam. He's also made an appearance or two on the 605 Super Podcast, The Mothership. Of course, those shows part of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network, but now a co-host here also as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So I'm bringing him back for Regional Wrestling, episode 28, as we dive back into more Georgia 81, going to close out the month of May. Welcome back, Mr. Jamie Ward to the show. Jamie, good to have you back. Oh, yeah, Ray. I can't wait to get going here. It's been a while since you and I have gotten together. Oh, you want me to bust into a song? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been quite a, quite a while, but I'm <laughs> happy to have you back. I was happy to have Roman back. We knocked out some more UWF last week, and we're just going to keep matriculating down the field now. Here with more Georgia Championship Wrestling 1981. That sounds good. Let's do it. Now, before we get going, though, Jamie, when I went back and I listened to la the last show we did, I edit the shows, guys, by myself. But if time allots me, which I try to make sure it does, I always try and go back and listen to the complete shows to see if everything comes out okay. And I wanted to bring up a comment that you made, Jamie, and I wish it fit on a T-shirt because we were talking about Michael Hayes and his party habits and how messed up he might have been coming into these morning TV tapings on Saturdays. Uh, you referred to Michael Hayes while inebriated as a, and I quote, functioning dark-sided kind of guy. And I don't know why, man, but it made me pop. And I just wish I could fit that on a t-shirt. A functioning dark-sided kind of guy. Well, that about sums him up perfectly, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it sure does. I think that's why I, I mean, popped for it. Anybody that's watching, uh, going back watching this stuff on YouTube right now, you know Michael Hayes was having a good time the night before. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe maybe seven <laughs> nights a week he was having a good time. 
knowing him, it was eight nights a week. I don't know how he fit it in, but if, if anybody could do it, it would have been the Freebirds. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know about Buddy, but at least uh, Buddy was a different kind of yeah, kind of dude. He sure I, was. I mean, from the stories Gord, you hear Gordian, anyway. Gordian Hayes, that was, that was one level. <laughs> Buddy was something else. Woo, indeed he do. Uh, so also on last episode, we were talking about an enhancement worker that we saw in the ring, not quite in wrestling gear per se. We caught the last name of King. We thought, could it be possibly Rocky King? So in regards to that being Rocky King, I made a post. I took a couple of screen caps. I put them up on Facebook and Barry Rose, Alan Barcroft, Doug McKay, Brad Stutz. They all seem to confirm that they do believe this King in question is indeed Rocky King. Even the other ships, Drew Samuels wrote in, I vote yes for Rocky King. And based on his quote-unquote gear, it very well may have been the very first time he was ever in a wrestling ring, or at the very least in the big leagues. So a cool little find there. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I saw him, I thought it was Rocky, and and you kind of agreed with me. And it's good that the uh, regional wrestling uh, universe has spoken up and backed us up on this one. Oh, can we can we call them a universe? Isn't that copyrighted, pal? Well, <laughs> Vince is never going to hear this. <laughs> well, let's let's be real. Well, but, you're, but, you're right. But 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 then again, you know, maybe Endeavor will. Well, you never know. Um, you know, before we get going, we were also talking last episode. You brought this up, Jamie, about an event featuring Wildfire Tommy Rich. They were promoting on TBS uh, that was coming to the Cincinnati, Ohio. And Keith Barbaro, I believe that's how you pronounce the last name. Sorry if I butchered that, Keith. He wrote in on Facebook. He said, Jamie Ward, you're right about Mid-Atlantic in Cincinnati. Memphis did one show there. Then Mid-Atlantic came in and took over the market. Supposedly, they were on a week TV station, Channel 64, and attendance dropped after a few shows. So they needed the TBS publicity. Eventually, Georgia going to take over the market, as we know, in 1982. So Keith confirms your theory that Cincinnati show was indeed promoted by Jim Crockett Promotions. Well, I'm two for two on the last show. There you go. You talk about blind squirrels finding nuts. Now we got we to upgrade yeah, you, Jamie. I didn't Jamie. use it this time. I was going to say, well, I was going to upgrade you to a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> Maybe I'll save that one for later on. I like that one, too. <laughs> well, Keith goes on in his writing. He said, you guys, me and you, Jamie, we bring up a good point in regards to what if Bill Watts and Georgia combined as a super territory. Keith says, honestly, I don't know if TBS would have allowed angles like the ones that Watts ran. Probably not, but if anybody could have pulled it off, it would have been the Cowboy along with Jim Barnett. Well, we got to remember, Bill Watts was just booking here right now, and they were allowing all of these angles to fly, so Bill Watts certainly knew how to work around the TBS rules. Exactly. Until nine years, no, 11 years later, and then the game had changed. And Keith closes up his uh, comments here by saying, great episode, guys. So thank you very much for writing in, Keith. We really appreciate that. As uh, we continue on here, Jamie, in the month of May, we're going to kick off with May 18th in just a second. But we're going to see an interesting dynamic here this week, guys, on regional wrestling, because we're going to witness, we're going to see the end of the Bill Watts and Buck Robley booking regime in week one. And in week two on TV, we'll see the immediate influence and booking changes of one Mr. George Scott. So stay tuned, guys. It's going to be very interesting. Very interesting is uh, being too kind. Right. <laughs> I have a lot of comments about week two. Let's just put it that way. It, when we it, get there. It's going to be night and day here and not necessarily in a bad way. It's just going to be different. Very different. Uh, as we get rolling here, May the 18th, Augusta, Georgia, Bell Auditorium. It's Mike Sharp over the French Angel. National Heavyweight Champion back in town, Steve-O over Brian St. John. 
Ken Patera defeating Bill Irwin, Wahoo McDaniel downs Big Jim Duggan, and in the main event, national tag team champions, it's the Freebirds, Gordian Roberts over Tommy Rich and Ted DiBiase. Interesting matchup between the two heels, Patera and Irwin. Yeah, it's uh, Bill Irwin seemed to be there for a few few shows, and I feel like they just plugged him in wherever he could fit on the card. Maybe not necessarily a face or a heel. Maybe he's tweening, brother. But uh, Bill Irwin doing the job there for Kim Patera, and obviously they get a great main event, the Birds over Rich and DiBiase. As we move on, May the 19th. Whoa, whoa, Ray. Ray okay. Ray. Sure. You missed the most important part of that show. Steve-O, Mr. Personality's back. Mr. Personality is back. Well, I, 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 I didn't intentional okay i did intentionally skip try to skip over that try to glance right through that but you caught me jamie you called me out yes indeed steve olsonowski has returned from his tour of the iwe in japan still the national heavyweight champion scoring a win there over brian st john so let's see what steve does in the weeks to come here guys as we roll on may the 19th georgia off to newton georgia in the high school in newton but no results there so it's moving on to columbus georgia memorial auditorium may the 20th Big Jim Duggan over Tommy Wright. It's Iron Mike Sharp defeating the French Angel. In the results online, it says Steve O defeats Scott Irwin, but I believe that is Bill. Bill Irwin, likely the typo there. So Steve O defeating Bill Irwin on this card. There you go. I mentioned him again. There's your boy, Mr. Personality. Also, Kenny Patera defeating Roberto Soto. And in the main event, Columbus, Georgia, six-man tag team action. All three of the Freebirds, Gordy Hayes and Roberts, over the team of Tommy Rich, Ted DiBiase, and Ricky Gibson. And talk about booking the heels strong. Even in non-title matches, the Freebirds going over quite often. And which they should. They are the real main event heels of the territory and have been since September. As we continue on down the pike, May the 21st, Marietta, Georgia, the Cobb County Civic Center. Not an Armstrong in sight, Jamie. We talked about them changing the day of the card. You theorized maybe it was to get Bullet Bob on some of these shows, but not quite yet anyway. But we do see Robert Gibson over Brian St. John, Mike Sharp downing Gypsy Joe. It's Roberto Soto over Jim Duggan. Interesting. Also, Kim Patera defeating Bill Irwin once more. And in the main event this time, it is Ted DiBiase and Tommy Rich going over on the fabulous Freebirds. As we got one more piece of business here, house show-wise, Porterdale, Georgia, May the 22nd. Just a couple of matches here are the results. Kim Patera again over Bill Irwin. And in the main event... Ted DiBiase and Tommy Rich taking the Freebirds to a no contest. No doubt a wild brawl to end the night there in Porterdale. Yeah, most likely. And now the fun begins, guys, because it's May the 23rd, Saturday, which means WTBS Studios, Atlanta, Georgia, and some television time. GCW on TBS, Superstation, WTBS, Channel 17. So the results here, they won't reflect the order that you guys would actually see this footage that does exist out there on YouTube. Now, approximately 50% of this two-hour show is indeed out there for May the 23rd, but it's taken from a couple of places, so it's sort of out of order in the way it airs on YouTube. So I went back and I tried to make sense of the footage, putting it back in the order that it originally aired, if that makes any sense to you, Jamie. No, I fully understand what you're trying to do there. Okay, so we get going, and here it is right out of the gate. It's the returning national heavyweight champion, Steve-O, back on TBS. All is right in the world once again. Steve-O returning to score a win here over Bobby Garrett. And Olsonowski now using a sleeper hold for his finisher, which he no doubt quote-unquote learned in Japan. So the Steve-ster is back, brother, from his tour of the IWE. Sadly, no Steve-O audio, though, Jamie. No promo here this week. Well, we can't have him every week. But hey, we still have another at least seven months of Steve-O to go. 
Oh, my. You've so you got the, plenty of time for more great interviews with Steve-O. You've done the math and broken my heart all in one, one fell swoop. As the program continues, it is the JYD Junkyard Dog back in TBS Studios this week with both his peekaboos working. JYD scoring the win here over Buck Brannigan as it's followed by a Junkyard Dog promo as we see a VTR of the dog teaming with Ted DiBiase recently at the May 17th Omnicard taking on the fabulous Freebirds in what looked like here a hell of a fight based on the highlights on TV. DiBiase going to score the win after locking Buddy Roberts in a figure four for a good chunk of time, while Gordy and Hayes on the outside double teaming the dog, sending him in the ring, beating him down with his own dog chain. Teddy, though, finally goes after a steel chair, swinging it wildly and blasting Buddy Roberts simply for not getting out of the ring fast enough. DiBiase running the heels off to check on the dog, who was here today cutting a promo in the studio, so at least we know he's still okay. Yeah, it's good to see the dog back live. And you and I actually remarked, if you remember last uh, podcast, right. that we wanted to see highlights of that match because it, it just promised it to be a wild thing. And it was indeed. I was, you know, obviously the highlights are never the entire match, but what they showed, I was satisfied by the end of watching that. It was a wild fight for sure. Yeah, it just makes you wish that they have the library of this that someday may be shown somewhere. Yeah. You know, based on the credibility, the re, the believability of that matchup between those two teams, that it made Bill Watts proud when he was watching it. Oh, yeah. This was his uh, probably his zenith for his Georgia booking this particular match. Well, it's going to have to be because up next, Bruiser Brody just comes in and attacks and obliterates his opponent. Poor John Howard here inside the ring, outside the ring. Dead weight Howard. Howard can't even get up. Brody just tossing him all around, laying in stiff clubs and stomps, finally puts Howard out of his misery for now. After two minutes and 15 seconds, pinning him with a knee across his stomach, I wrote, well, that match was certainly believable. As they say, you don't have to believe pro wrestling is real. You have to believe I'm real. And Bruiser Brody was real in that match. Yeah, that goes without saying. Howard gave him his body and Brody did whatever he wanted to it. Uh, literally, because he really pummeled that poor guy. I mean, he was safe to the point where he wasn't going to break any bones, but he certainly, well, like I said, it was a believable fight. Guys, go check it out on YouTube right now. You go call on. that a fight? That, that was a bludgeoning. <laughs> okay, but... I, I don't think Howard got one offensive move in on that entire time. Mr. Thesaurus here, Jamie Ward, guys. <laughs> well, you're right. No, I'm not going to argue I, with that. I, I read the back of a cereal box this morning. That's where I came <laughs> up with that word. That word's on the back of us. Bludgeoning? What are kids eating these days? <laughs> and notice, though, I did say he was done with Howard for now. As Brody heads over for an interview with Gordon Soley, something just doesn't sit right with the bruiser. So mid-promo, he leaves Gordon to continue further pummeling poor John Howard here. And we'll hear a little of that right now. I'm going to take a, uh, take a word or two with this man, Bruiser Brody. Hey, I'll just ask you one question, sir. You allow this man uh, no opportunity whatsoever. So? So what? Well, uh, you didn't even wait for the bell to ring. You hit the ring and charged the man. You know, you're a little confused, Gordon Soley. And so is a whole lot of other people about me. Gordon Soley out here two weeks ago saying, Brody's full of beans. The name of the game is wrestling. I seen some big goof out here with a chain. 
I see people out here talking about cages. Well, wait just a second. Brody after that man again and uh, pushing him aside. And Brody... Well, I don't understand this at all. Are you happier now? I bet you're a whole lot happier. I don't know what it's going to take to make my point around here. But believe it, when I say it, there ain't no limit. No limit at all. I don't care what everybody else does when they get in the ring. I mind my own business. And my business is just what happened here. Whether you like it, they like it. Oh, shut up! I like it! I think that's quite enough. Or anybody else likes it. Yeah, well, we'll just, we'll terminate the conversation at this point, Mr. Brody. And uh, we're going to have to get some help for this man. He's going to have to be uh, helped out of this situation. Well, Brody wanted to make a point. Says he has no limits. And I know you guys can't see it here on the podcast, but Bruiser Brody losing his mind, if he ever had one, goes back after Howard once again, grabs a wheelchair from next to the fan seating area, tosses poor Howard into the wheelchair, rolling him into the steel post on the outside of the ring, then wheeling him over to Gordon Sully right in front of Gordon and the camera before booting Howard out of the wheelchair. I wrote, holy shit, how awesome was this? And it appeared like the boot, at least to me, the boot in the chair, the wheelchair, was actually blacked out on TV. That was one of the wildest. I, I guarantee you that was the wildest segment I'd ever seen in professional wrestling up to that point. Because I did see this show live when it aired. And it all just came back to me about just how awesome Brody was. And I don't think Mr. Howard knew all that was coming. You, you look no, at his no. face. <laughs> when, when, when he's getting wheeled over in front of... Gordon, right before he takes that <laughs> that boot, he had no idea. So I don't know if Watts was there personally that day. I know we know Robley was. They had to slide that guy like an extra fifty bucks. Oh my god! Or, he, he so would, I guess would hope. Twenty. Yeah, I would hope they paid him something extra because I don't ever remember seeing the guy again after that. So either he quit being an enhancement talent altogether, <laughs> or he just said, "I'm not going back there again." I'm going to look up his name and see what else I could find after this poor, was it John Howard? But yeah, just uh, not, not a pretty sight here. Brody clubbering him <laughs> to quote Dusty Rhodes, beating him down in the matchup. And then afterwards, this wheelchair incident, I, I have to think this is the first time a wheelchair was used in a wrestling match. I had never seen it before. Like I said, this was just <laughs> totally out there. And, and even rewatching it 40 years later, I'm just like, wow. And Gordon, yeah, it really make me, made me pop. Uh, Gordon Sully then terminating the conversation disgusted with Bruiser Brody, but what a fun segment. Total chaos. Something tells me either Gordon is a great actor or he just doesn't really care for Brody. Yeah, good call. I I would say, yeah, it could be one or the other. I won't won't suggest which way I think that may be going, but at the same time, I do agree with you. I mean, even going back last week, or was it the week before when Brody's on and he's standing behind Gordon? Gordon right. is not happy that he's standing back there and he can't see what he's doing. And you wonder how much of that is just Brody being Brody and how much of that is Brody purposely trying to screw around with Gordon Soley. And I'm sure they had to work together in Florida once upon a time. Sure. And this and this wasn't Brody's first uh, visit to uh, Georgia. He'd no. been in and out over right. the years. Right. But Gordon just didn't seem to care for the man. Yeah, he certainly played the part very well if it was an act. Uh, But guess what, guys? We've got a brand new Georgia heavyweight champion here in GCW. 
And here right now with Gordon Soley, it is the brand new champion. Somebody say something about Fired Up. Here he is, Wildfire, Tommy Rich. Welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling, the brand new Georgia heavyweight champion, Tommy Wildfire Rich. Congratulations, Tommy. You know, thank you very much, Gordon. You know, I guess uh, the world heavyweight champion, I guess, is the biggest thing. But, you know, representing all the people of Georgia and the people all over the country, you know, it's, it's a good feeling. You got kids like this, you know, and, and they all respect you and look up to you. You know, yesterday, Ted DiBiase and myself, we went over to the, to the Scottish Rite Hospital and, and seen some of the kids there, and you you never realize, you know, you never realize what it's worth, but you go over there and talk to them kids and you see how much they look up to you and respect you. And, you, you know, it really gives you a good feeling. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that I can just be a part of that, Gordon. I just wanted to say hi to all the kids over at the Scottish Rite Hospital. Well, certainly we all have voiced those same sentiments, Tommy, and uh, it's uh, it's kind of you to take time out of a schedule that you have that's extremely hectic. Right now, though, I think we ought to take a look at just exactly how you won the Georgia Heavyweight Championship. We're going to go back to the Omni, and, uh, well, your first opponent was a man who was out to get you, a fellow by the name of uh, Ivan Kolov, or uh, Nikolai Volkov, rather, I'm sorry. That's all right, Gordon. You, you know, these Russians, are, as far as Nikolai Ivan, they're all tough, and, and they've all got a purpose, you know. He come, he come, Hayes got him, he come for the bounty, and he, he come, you know, to cripple me, hurt me, mess me up to where I couldn't wrestle, you know, but I never give up. I give it all I had. I stuck with it, and uh, just like I said, all the people was hollering, you know, and I wasn't going to quit, you know, as long as I had, had anything left in me, you know, I wasn't going to lay down and quit. And you can see Michael Hayes in the corner over there uh, shouting encouragement at Nikolai Volkov. And, of course, at this particular point in time, it was beginning to look like he might pick up that $10,000 that he was going for. Yes, that's exactly right, Gordon. Right there, you can see Hayes is telling him, work on that arm, get it, hurt me. You know, he wanted him to hurt me bad. But just like I told Hayes, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep sticking sooner or later. I'm going to run across Mr. Hayes, too. Well, the point was that Nikolai Volkov was pinned, and that, of course, brought you one step uh, closer to the Georgia Heavyweight Championship. A very, very frustrated uh, Michael Hayes in the ring. Uh, temper tantrum, if you will, uh, as his frustration showed. But, uh, of course, it finally ended up, it was you against Greg Valentine uh, with all the marbles at stake, the Georgia Heavyweight Championship. Yes, sir, Gordon, yeah, and... Uh come back out. Well, you can, you can show the other family. You know, it's all on the line, and uh, when I come back out right here, you can see Valentine's got me down. I you know, still had some cobwebs in my head right here. Just had to patch it up the best I could. And, of course, uh, there was also the possibility that he'd try and pick up that 10000 Yes, sir, that's, very, that's exactly right. You know, Greg Valentine, his family's a wrestling family. He's been around it, and you can look at him. He's big and he's tough. And $10,000, he's a type guy that would jump right on and run nobody out of my mind. You can see Hayes there hollering again, you know, and Curtin Lee come out. Tried the uh, Russian leg sweep. Valentine managed to hook into those ropes again. You see Michael Hayes in the corner uh, uh, shouting more encouragement as he tried to come down across you. Uh, you drove those knees into the air, caught him in the uh, midsection. And Valentine in a lot of trouble now, trying to regain his feet. Beautiful uh, high roll, and you've got him... Uh, the count of three, and it was all over, and you've won the title. Yes, sir, you know... A couple of days before I knew, really knew what happened, you know, like I said, I had a few cobwebs there, but uh, I've got the belt and I just want to keep it and keep representing the people and uh, just hope they stick with me the way they've been. Well, certainly I see no reason why they shouldn't, Tom. You're an outstanding athlete and certainly a credit to the sport. And again, congratulations on winning that title. I know you have a match upcoming, so I'll excuse you. Thank you very much, Gordon. Okay. So there it is, Tommy Rich. May the 17th, we get a VTR from the Omni. We see it was the Georgia Heavyweight Title Tournament. If you remember, Jamie, I'm sure you do. Tommy Rich over Nikolai Volkov in the semifinals. 
countering a big body slam by Big Nick into an inside cradle. And then to the finals we go, Tommy Rich again successful, this time over Greg the Hammer Valentine with a sunset flip kind of spot here. I wrote kind of sloppy, but the crowd ate it up. I couldn't, you know, nowadays people, the crowd, they give you shit if you botch a spot. Tommy Rich completely botched that sunset flip for the finish of the finals. Yes. And that yes, crowd, the crowd and, just and, erupted. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. But he makes the cover. Pat, Nick Patrick makes a two count mm-hmm. and then stops. <laughs> Tommy pulls him into the ring a little bit more. Valentine never even attempts to raise his shoulders. Right. And he just simply plops back on top of him with the legs up. One, two, three. And as, as what, bad as the finish is, was, and this was the finals of the tournament, by the way, guys, as bad as the, the finish was, that crowd just, they didn't care, man. No. Well, Tommy's been wearing that Superman suit since he came in. He's got the cape on with the big S, and you know now he's got this title back, and you know what that means. It's time to take on Harley Race again. That's right. Well, he already Harley already promised him a rematch anytime he wanted it, but this here, this Georgia heavyweight title solidifies him as a top contender now. So it won't be long, I think, before Tommy Rich gets in the ring with Harley Race, maybe before this episode of Regional Wrestling ends. Hint, hint, guys. But I should note, too, both of those matches, Nikolai Volkov and Greg Valentine, Michael Hayes was shown ringside. So kind of playing the corner man for everyone in the ring, taking on Tommy Rich, hoping to collect in that $10,000 bounty. Well, the great part is that Hayes got to go home with it each night and spend it. Each and every time as Tommy Rich crowned the new Georgia heavyweight champion, he himself in that promo there admitting the NWA world title is the biggest thing, Jamie, but he's still proud to represent the people from the great state of Georgia. And don't forget about all those beautiful Georgia peaches. Oh, the lovely Georgia peaches. Absolutely. Tommy Rich really knew how to get himself over here (laughs) on Super Super Station. The only problem is a lot of those peaches he was talking about weren't... (laughs) Well, I better not go there. Never mind. <laughs> you going to say they're not quite ripe yet? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you said it. Oh, I said it. I, you implied out of my mouth, though. So I'll take the blame, I, I, guys. I gave you a layup. Hey, go read Missy Hyatt's book as we roll on back to the studio. It is the Georgia heavyweight champion, <laughs> Wildfire Tommy Rich, defeating Colonel Buckley Christopher George Robley III, a.k.a. Buck Robley. Robley appeared as the latest man to go after the $10,000 bounty here. Doesn't hurt he was also booking with Bill Watts at this point either. Robley, though, he had Rich in trouble, it would seem. Nice hot shot into the corner turnbuckle. But Rich comes back with a surprise. Fez Press scoring the win in just three and a half minutes. Well, if you didn't know Watts was booking this before, the moment you heard the ring announcer announce who Robley was, Robley's name, you knew Watts was booking. <laughs> Touché. George Christopher Buckley Robley the third <laughs> Esquire <laughs> Esquire. Well, I just threw that in there. So <laughs> moving along, Tommy Rich successful in just three and a half minutes over one of the bookers, Buck Robley. And right now we're going to go back to Gordon Soley once again, standing by with the wildfire this time along with him, Ted DiBiase. Well, I want to take just a second now uh, to DiBiase trying to keep... I don't know who you city it is you got here, but I'll tell you one thing. He's got to be one of Hayes' boys. You know, I'll tell you what, Gordon. Things are getting bad. But just like I said, this guy and myself, we've got a bond together. Hayes is free birds. Idiots like this guy right here. Yeah, yeah. 10,000 cents. Exactly what I was talking about. He's a bounty man. But just like I said... 
I've got friends watching out for me too. Romney, you know we've got Hayes and his three birds. So we're coming there, and we're gonna give it all we got. Gonna be in a shots gotta be put to all of it, Gordon. Things, things are starting to come down our way. We got the junkyard dog is climbing in that ring with Hayes on a dog collar match. He can't go anywhere. We got the two other goons, Hayes. We got your two other boys in that ring in a cage, inside a cage. They can't get out, and Hayes, you can't get in. We're going to run them right through the mill. We're going to have them all over that that's right. He We're talks running. about getting nasty. Have you ever seen a face that's been run down one of them cages? It gets nasty. Then just like we said, we've gone a little off the deep end, and it don't matter if it's Columbus, Ohio, Huntington, West Virginia, Harley Race, the Freebirds. You bring them all on, Gordon, because we're forming our little group, too. You know, you got to fight fire with fire. That's right. So Everybody Hayes... wants to get nasty, Gordon. Everybody wants to get nasty and throw the rule back out. We'll take the rule, but... That's right. Throw it so at this point it appears it's tommy rich and ted dibiase headed to the omni on may the 31st to take on the freebirds gordian roberts inside a steel cage and that's going to be wild now this particular promo tommy rich is tommy rich but have you ever heard ted dibiase this fired up no dibiase's ready to go man this is it this is the breakthrough moment i mean I don't know when that decision was that, that we're going to get to where Dusty gets the belt. You know, the rumor always was it was going to be DiBiase was supposed to get the belt. Right. If this is the time, I don't know when that decision was made that it was going to go to Dusty, because this interview right here sure looks like it's going to go to Ted with how fired up he is in this thing. Yeah, you know, I'm not just going to quote Ted DiBiase because it's Ted DiBiase. Of course, he's going to speak highly of himself to some degree, but I've also heard a few other people say uh, a few other bookers and things like that say that the entire intention of Jim Barnett bringing DiBiase in was to groom him for an NWA world title run here. And you're right. It doesn't eventually go to Dusty Rhodes instead. But, um, you know, I wonder if that has anything to do with the local bookers now too changing. And you know what? It very well could because sometime between this right here and next Saturday morning, something's going to happen. A lot of shit happens, to be frank. Pardon my French, guys, but uh, I got a lot to say when we get to next Saturday morning, and I'll leave it there for right now, Jamie. But right now, it's the bird scheduled to take on DiBiase and Rich inside a steel cage. Will that happen? Just wait and see, guys. Also, we learned Michael Hay is going to take on the Junkyard Dog in the Omni in a dog collar match. Sound familiar, Mid-South fans? So I wrote, this card, it feels like a Bill Watts swan song as Booker, very similar to the Birds' Mid-South run when they finished up. Yeah, that's exactly, uh, you know, we didn't know this 40 years ago watching this, but now that we are reviewing it at this point, we can see that this was probably going to be Watts' last show on the 31st. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then from there on the program, we saw he was back as part of that Georgia heavyweight title tournament. I believe he was a double elimination with Dusty Rhodes there during the tourney, but he's back here on TV this week. It's Ken Patera who promises his feats of strength. Good to have him back on the program again uh, uh, today. Uh, Ken Patera, the world's strongest wrestler. And what uh, do you propose to do? You know, I want to say something here, Gordon. You know, you're looking at Ken Patera, everybody. The most renowned professional athlete in the world today. I have done it all. You name it, I've done it. All the way from ping pong ball, tennis, Volleyball, weightlifting, wrestling, football, track and field, basketball, you name it, I've done it. And I'm the best at it all. I'm like the decathlon man. 
I am good at everything that I do. And today, I'm going to issue a challenge. There's a lot of pencil-neck geeks running around there, here, and there, and everywhere, saying that they can break Ken Patera's swinging full Nelson. Well, I'm going to put up a $5,000 challenge for anybody that wants to get in that ring and see if they can break the swinging full Nelson. As a matter of fact, I'll even make a better issue. I won't even swing the man. I'll just supply it and see if they can get out of it. How's that? 5,000 bucks. Well, that's quite, a, quite an offer indeed. Fair? But today, everybody knows the world's strongest men contest. One of the events in that is bending steel bars. Well, here's the steel bar that won that contest last year. Bill Kazmaier won the event, I believe. And this is the same size bar that he bent to win it. Now, I'm going to make an attempt to bend it even more than Bill did. Okay? Well, that, uh, that is indeed... Uh, this is approximately three foot, five-eighths inch, solid steel, tempered bar. Okay. Five-eighths inch, steel tempered. And uh, Ken Patera, let's watch this very carefully now. I'm going to watch him through the monitor and uh, placing it behind his... Good grief. <laughs> yeah, that's... That is very impressive. In the weeks to come, I will be doing even more impressive feats of strength just to prove to everybody where Ken Patera is coming from. This is one of the exercises I do to build the enormous strength and grip that it takes to apply the most spirit hold of professional wrestling today. The swinging full Nelson, otherwise known to my opponents and those with the smart mouths as the neck breaker. Because I have broken so many necks in the past, I can't even count that high, baby. And I'm a very intelligent, bright individual. So just remember, $5,000 to anybody that wants to get in that ring and try. And that's what I say, if and and when, try to break my full Nelson. It's impossible, and I'm sure there's a few fools. So there it is, Kim Patera putting up a $5,000 challenge for anyone who can break his swinging full Nelson. Hell, he says, how about just a regular full Nelson for that matter? A lot of money being offered around here as of late in Georgia. Guys are making a lot of money. That's why. <laughs> Offering it up. Very I, confident. Well, he's Kempatera. I mean, nobody can beat Kempatera. Ask, ask him in real life. He'll tell you nobody can beat Kempatera. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard. Today, he'll tell you nobody could beat Kempatera. <laughs> if, he, if he's sober enough. Oh, man, I'm going to get a lot of heat this week on the show. <laughs> Kenny, though, talking about the World's Strongest Man Contest, where he finished third back in 1977. Uh, talking about the recent winner, Bill Kazmaier, a future wrestler to some degree. Uh, as promised, though, Patera starting those weekly feats of strength by bending a legit 5 8 inch steel-tippered bar here around the back of his neck, and he does it with ease, Jamie. Yeah, I don't think that was a rigged uh, no, iron bar. I, I I think it was legit. I think all these feats of strength that they, they were not Patera good. does right. here is all legit. Uh, I forget if he does the one here where he lifts the car bumper or not. That one may not have been legit, but right. every other one is definitely legit. Yeah, we got more coming next week as well, but uh, Kim Patera gets it done, man, bending that steel bar around the back of his neck, and like I said, with ease, very impressive. Uh, I would expect nothing less from a peak Kim Patera, though, uh, but it wouldn't be Georgia, Jamie. We've heard from quite a few stars here, Tommy Rich, Bruiser Brody, Ted DiBiase, Kim Patera, but now it's time for the 
Fabulous Freebirds. He's scheduled to wrestle right now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Terry, come here. This is ridiculous. It is preposterous. Now, if you'll notice, things are going the way I like it. We've got everybody riled up and nasty. But I am a hurt and injured individual. My neck was injured a year ago. There's no way in the world that I should have to get in the ring and wrestle. You're trying to hurt me. Everybody's got a conspiracy, and you're trying to hurt me. Well, I'm not going to wrestle. I am not going to wrestle, but I've got my brother here, and he'll be glad to take the match and whoop whichever punk you got out here and whoop him like a stepchild, whoop him like a dog. Because nobody's going to force us to do anything. All right, so it is apparently Terry Gordy uh, who is going to compete instead of Mr. Hayes. Mr. Hayes with the, what he says was a neck injury a year ago. Indeed, DiBiase came back in five weeks. Let's turn it over to our ring announcer. So there's your boy, Michael Hayes, claiming to be injured, a neck injury from a year ago. Still nagging him. Uh, can't wrestle today, it would seem, so brother Terry Gordy going to sub in this place. That's because that damn DiBiase keeps swinging chairs at him and doesn't allow him to fully recover. Michael Hayes thinks there's a conspiracy going on around here. There probably is. <laughs> Would Michael Hayes lie? Just leave it right there. Okay. Drop the mic. <laughs> you don't want an out. answer. All right. Rhetorical. I get you. All right. So we roll on with the show. As promised, Terry Gordy subbing in for the injured Michael Hayes here. Gordy going to go to a no contest with Mike Jackson. Is Michael Hayes repeatedly getting involved and the match just kind of abruptly ends? I wrote, injury my ass, Jamie. As is Ted DiBiase, Tommy Rich, Chunkyard Dog, and, and maybe I even saw Steve-O in there to make the save, running all of the Freebirds off. Match only went about two and a half minutes, but Gordy out there subbing for Hayes. Hayes getting involved over and over again, though, just to make sure everybody knows it's all at work. Well, he had taken a couple of painkillers right before the match. A yeah, couple? So it felt better. But on a side note there, I believe this is the beginning of the uh, Mike Jackson run in Georgia. Have we seen him before in the enhancement role? Oh, man, I feel like I've said his name in the past, but not weekly. Yeah, so basically he's there from now through the Crockett run. Wow. Well, um, I'll keep an eye as, on that. I haven't as looked as too far ahead. I just don't remember seeing him. I'm not going to say we, we don't get to see every single match because of the, the archives are, are lost. So right. we haven't been able to see every single match. But I don't even remember seeing his name in the results. Just I've, off the top of my head. Yeah, I feel like I've read his name a couple of times. I, I, you know, maybe it was matches we didn't get, or maybe I just, you know, it's been a while and I don't recall. But I remember reading his name because I remember thinking a couple of times, like, oh, that could have been a fun match, Mike Jackson versus so-and-so. Yeah, but he's here basically from here on out, almost every week, every couple of weeks. Well, I'm sure not complaining about that. Mike Jackson, a, uh, what, a, what a hand in the ring. The Alabama Junior Heavyweight Champion. That's right. Still, to this, to this day. To this day, right? <laughs> to this day, absolutely. Uh, we go on, guys. Post-match, uh, Terry Gordy match with Mike Jackson. We get another quick Freebirds promo here. Michael Hayes incensed that he's now in a dog collar match against the Junkyard Dog at the Omni just one week away, eight days away. Michael Hayes it, says he's already an injured man and very unfair to book him in such a match against the JYD. That's only because this time, J well, from JYD's perspective, he has both of his peekaboos this time around. Last, <laughs> right. last time they did this match in Mid-South, you know, Hayes had the advantage because JYD couldn't see. Right. Well, until he took the uh, 
the covers off his eyes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Poor, so poor Michael. He, well, he, he was just misunderstood. Well, I'm looking I, forward I, to it because we got because it in he, South. Just because we, he tried to blind JYD that's all a, he couple tried to do. a couple times. A couple times. A couple, three couple times. times. Yeah. You know, they, they tried to break DBLC's neck. Yeah, things happen, you know. Yeah, they tried to break the and, Oates Brothers' necks. They tried to blind Steve Kern. Yeah, they're just, they're just, they're just having some fun. And, and he didn't want to put a $10,000 bounty on <laughs> Tommy Rich. Tommy Rich forced it by putting his hands on him. Well... He should never got involved in the free bird business. Bottom we'll, line. we'll have to wait and see how that plays out at the Omni. Also here on TV this week, Ricky and Robert, the Gibson brothers, scoring a win over Bobby Eaton and Brian St. John on a DQ. Early encounter here of the future Rock and Roll and Midnight Express members, Robert Gibson and Bobby Eaton, for a fun little match. And if you think about it, Brian St. John was just coming off the run with uh, Stan Lane. That's right. Yep. Who, who later teams up with Bobby Eaton. So a lot of connections here. Lots of connection, indeed. And I wrote, oh, no, what is this, Jamie? Don't see these too often. Ted and Jerry Oates standing by with Gordon Soley. Yes, indeed, guys. It's an Oates Brothers promo. You can hear the Oates Brothers have just come out, and uh, Ernie Ladd is in the ring. He's set to wrestle a junkyard dog, but I understand now that that's not the situation. That's not the situation at all, Gordon. The junkyard dog and Ted DiBiase bought Ted and mine contract. They will be wrestling the Freebirds instead of us. And in return, we've bought their contract, and one of us will wrestle Ernie Ladd. All right. Uh, well, gentlemen, if, if that has been done, DBSC and the Junkyard Dog will wrestle the Freebirds later. That's correct. On this program. And now it's going to be one of you two flipping a coin to see which one of you take on Ernie Ladd. That's correct. Make sure that junkyard Dog will run out on me again. Well, all right. Let's. Uh, you got the coin? Fine. Win. Okay. It's up to me. Oh, no. Oh, no. I want this one right here. I want this one right here. I want this one right here. I'm not wrestling him. I want nothing. That's fine with me. If he wants to wrestle, he makes no difference to one of us. Okay. Well, then it's going to be Ted Oates going up against Ernie Ladd. Here's our ring announcer. You got to laugh at Ernie Ladd in the background, man. Just He didn't need a microphone, but uh, the gist here, guys, was that it was the Oates brothers scheduled to take on the national tag team champions, Freebirds, later here today on the program, but... They sold their contract for the match to Ted DiBiase and the Junkyard Dog. And I wrote, man, that Ted DiBiase. You know, over on my Grenade show right now, Jamie, DiBiase trying to buy the WWF title from Hulk Hogan. But here he is buying title matches all the way back in 1981. Well, I think the biggest thing lost in this is it's a shame they don't have the entire show on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Because imagine the buildup for an Ernie Ladd Junkyard Dog match on television. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been good. Uh, I, I mean, mean I don't know. I don't know if it would have been good, but it would have, you know, it certainly would have well, got the heat. I mean, two two main event guys. Again, this is more signs of Bill Watts getting ready to go out because he brings the big cat up to to work a Georgia TV taping. Right. I don't right. think the big cat stays around after this. No, no, it's just going to get him in while he can. Robley's on this show. Lads on this show. So yeah, I get what you're saying. And then you got JYD, but. That damn T Ted DiBiase. Man, he's always for, buying buying something. Yeah. <laughs> this, this this was practice for what was to come. See, this is where Vince probably came up with the the idea of buying a title. He saw Ted do this years before. Mm, the plot thickens. So, anywho, with DiBiase and the dog replacing the Oats brothers in that Freebirds tag team match later on, the Oats, they now have Junkyard Dog's contract to wrestle Ernie Ladd here today on the program. Then they flip the coin there to see who will take on Ernie. 
It looks like the taller of the two, Jerry Oates, wins that coin toss, but Ladd shows up and calls out the smaller Ted Oates, to which the Oates boys agree. They have no argument. Ted Oates taking on the big cat, Ernie Ladd. Well, if you're Ernie Ladd, you want to face the big guy, you want to face the little guy. Well, Ernie Ladd, Ernie Ladd's the big guy. I, 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 well, I mean, in the Oates brothers, you, you'd rather have the little guy. I mean, I'm sure when Ernie Ladd was playing defensive line for the Kansas City Chief, or San Diego Chargers, you know, he switched off quite a lot with whoever his other guy was. So he could get the little guy, so he'd get to the quarterback and take his head off. Makes sense. Probably why, you know, he was such a big name in the NFL. Exactly. Hall of Famer. Absolutely. I, uh, I actually really liked Ernie Ladd. He came up into the WWF for two quick little runs. In the early 80s, and uh, uh, I, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed his stuff in Florida, too. Wherever he went, Ernie Ladd always pleased me. Ernie Ladd was the kind of guy that even when he was well past his prime, maybe I didn't really want to watch him in the ring. It was kind of cringeworthy watching him try to work in the Mid-South there near the end of his you know run in the ring. But you love the promos. You love the character, the big cat Ernie Ladd. So you couldn't really complain because you wanted him on the program. Oh, yeah. How about in Mid-Atlantic? We're there in 80, 84 when Dory's right. booking. Right. He yeah. brings Ernie in as a, I forget if he, I think he started as a heel and they turned him face. And But you didn't want, you just want to listen to the interviews. You didn't want to see Ernie in the ring at that point. Pretty much. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly where I was going with that. No disrespect. I mean, I, you know, you watch some of the earlier stuff. He was great when he had his knees about him and everything. But, you know, by the 80s, not so much. But hearing Ernie Ladd in the background there during that Oates promo, that was making me laugh while, while we were listening to it. I just love Ernie Ladd as we head to the ring. It is the big cat, Ernie Ladd, defeating Ted Oates on a disqualification after one, only one minute and 45 seconds. Uh, when the big cat, he began using that devious taped thumb of doom on Ted Oates. Jerry Oates wouldn't stand by and allow it to happen. So Jerry hitting the ring and he and brother Ted double drop kicking Ernie Ladd and the Oates brothers sending Ladd out of the ring allowing him to score the DQ win here. So the heel gets the win. He gets the win, but the Oates brothers still look pretty decent because they get to drop kick him out of the ring. What do you think they did today after they left the, the Atlanta taping to head over to that Columbus taping? Oh, they probably had a few beers. Hey, we just got one over on Ernie Ladd. <laughs> or they said, man, that Ernie Ladd's a nice guy for letting us do that. <laughs> Maybe a little of both, but at the same time, I was just curious, like, how do you think they were booked that weekend there on, on TV, other than going over on someone? Curious if, like, Ladd made that drive. Probably not. Oh, you mean whether he actually uh, followed it up and they had another match in Columbus? Very possible. Again, it's a shame that most of those results are all lost to time, too. Right, yeah. It is really unfortunate here. Ernie Ladd, so he picks up the win by DQ, even stopping by Gordon Soley for a quick promo here after the matchup, claims that dirty, no-good junkyard dog was scared and ran away from the match. And Ladd claims he took out both Oates brothers all by himself. You got to love that delusion of the heels here in professional wrestling. As Ernie Ladd says some derogative comments towards JYD, which get bleeped out as he walks off. Look at Gordon's face. Gordon's almost ready to crack a smile and laugh at Ladd because he has seen this so, so many times. <laughs> you know, He's trying, trying his best to keep a straight face. He knows the shtick. It, it, it's harder to keep that straight face when you know what's coming. And with Ernie Ladd, you know what's coming. Oh, yeah. He, there's nothing Ernie Ladd could have said that Gordon probably hasn't heard a hundred times over. Just change the wrestler's name. Yeah, entertainment personified was the big cat here. Unfortunately, we don't see him again. He kind of stops by for some Saturday TV, and then poof, he's gone. 
Yep, he was gone just like that. And that's going to be actually become, as Paul Heyman would say, this is a spoiler. <laughs> it's going to become something that happens in Georgia a lot for the next year or so. Guys just come in, wrestle on one show, and never mentioned again. Just stopping by for a little cable exposure, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So we head into a commercial break after the Ernie Ladd Oats match, and back from break, we see a very serious Ted DiBiase standing by with Gordon Soley, and it appears something serious transpired during the commercial break, and Ted wants Gordon to show it to the world. So we go back into a VTR showing us the end of a now-dressed-up street clothes Tommy Rich, apparently cutting a tape promo, maybe for later today with Gordon Soley, and as they wrap up the interview, Rich is blindsided. Attacked by the man that he beat earlier today, talking about Buck Robley. Yeah, well, Buck knows he doesn't just have to beat him in a match. He just has to put him out to get that 10 grand. So we go back. This is a VTR. This happened during the commercial break. Buck Robley reappearing out of nowhere, booking himself into this, obviously, attacking Tommy Rich. And apparently losing just didn't sit well with the colonel, who obviously wants that 10 grand. Buck blasting Rich from out of nowhere, slinging him face first into the steel post, stomping him down, and eventually repeatedly hitting Rich with his infamous Robley forearm band. Finally, we see Ted DiBiase out there to make the save, chasing Robley off, but it appears Tommy, he may have suffered a shoulder injury. And that's not all he suffered, because if you watch it real close, Tommy's outside the ring, DiBiase's looking over top of him, and... Tommy rolls away from the crowd to the apron, and you can obviously see him do the blade job. Oh, really? See, I was looking for the blood, and I never, I never noticed it. Yeah, he, he, uh, he definitely does a blade job at that point, because a as you're about to get into here, DiBiase at the end of the interview has uh, Tommy Rich's shirt that's all covered in blood. Oh, yeah, you're right. I remember that part of the promo, and I didn't put two and two together. Seems pretty obvious that I should have, but when he hit him into the steel post from that point forward, I kept looking for the blood, and I just never never saw it in that VTR it, anyway. But I get it what didn't you're saying happen. Now. Yeah, it didn't happen until he got on the floor and then then rolled over. Then he came out and it was all covered with blood. And uh, Jamie uh, kind of mentioned it already, guys. Right now we're going to head back, coming out of that VTR. Gordon Soley standing by with Ted DiBiase. And Gordon, I don't think the people at home know that they didn't see what happened here. Before I say anything else, I wish you'd run that... Uh, that tape and show the people just exactly what did happen here. Well, may I just say that uh, we were uh, in a commercial break, and uh, right after I'd concluded an interview with Tommy Rich, he had turned his back and was leaving the area when uh, suddenly, well, here's what occurred. It was rather obvious that uh, Tommy Rich has suffered a shoulder injury. Gordon, you know, when I was injured here, the man that came to the ring and threw the towel in and kept me from being permanently injured was Tommy Rich. And the man, Gordon, that came to the hospital and sat by my bed was Tommy Rich. And the man, Gordon, that came to my home while I was trying to recover to lift my spirits was Tommy Rich. And Tommy Rich, ladies and gentlemen, is a man. What is this sport becoming, Gordon? What is it coming to when a man has to go out here and put up with something like this? Is it worth $10,000 to you, Hayes? to cripple somebody, to end their wrestling career, or try to? Well, Tommy Rich is a man, and Tommy Rich is going to be back, Gordon, just like I'm back, but he's never quit. And he's hurt right now, and he's not going to miss a single day. But what I'm getting at, Gordon, you know, a lot of men will do a lot of things for money. I know this Buck Robley. 
I know him from the past, and it really surprised me to see him here today and going after that $10,000. But if you want to be an animal, if you want to be a dog, if you want to crawl like an animal, then we can be an animal. And we can get just as bad and just as nasty. I've had it. I've had it right up to here, Gordon. I'm not going to let anybody in my wrestling career. I'm going to stand behind my friend, Tommy Rich, and we're going to stand together, and we're going to clean up Georgia. Well, I certainly can't say that I blame, uh, that I blame Ted DiBiase in the, in, in the least. And uh, may I just say that I think his, his comments were certainly well, well put. So there it is, DiBiase taking us back through times, uh, uh, pivotal points in the DiBiase-Rich Freebirds feud. Ted reminding us it was Tommy Rich who threw in the towel all those months ago to save DiBiase's career. It was Tommy Rich who visited Teddy in the hospital. It was also the wildfire who came up and visited DiBiase at his home to raise his spirits. Ted asking, what is this sport becoming? Offering up $10,000 to end someone's career, Jamie. We learned that Tommy Rich is indeed hurt, but he won't miss a single day, says DiBiase, which makes the attack even more weird, I thought. Uh, DiBiase, though, acknowledging knowing Buck Robley from the Mid-South Territory and says he was surprised to see him here today because Buck was actually a babyface in Mid-South most recently anyway. But Teddy vows that he and Rich will clean up the state of Georgia. And Colonel Buck, same thing as Ernie Led here today, gone tomorrow. That's right. They eventually announced that Buck Robley is suspended for his actions uh, to explain away why he just disappears after laying out Tommy Rich. The, the Ernie Ladd thing makes a little more sense because it really doesn't tie into anything. But to come out and attack your one of your top champions, them to do a blade job, you sit, run into the steel post, you lay him out, they're talking about a shoulder injury, and then you turn around a segment later and say, well, he's hurt, but he's not going to miss any time. And basically, we'll never mention Buck Roby's name again. Or probably this incident. No, that's, that's true, too. And I think a lot of that has to do with the changing and booking over the next week. I don't know about you, but I kind of wondered, was this Buck Roby's way of trying to write himself into a major angle with a top star so that the next booker was, quote unquote, forced to continue the storyline only to be had because that doesn't happen? No, it it doesn't happen. Go ahead. I'll I'll get back to what I was going to say in a minute. No, you're you're fine. I was just curious your, your take on that. Do you think maybe deep down inside this is Robley's way of trying to write himself into a major storyline as the new booker takes over, feeling like, ah, I've secured myself at least another month here, uh, you know, in, in the Georgia territory? Like, very possibly that's what he was doing, but why would you do the whole suspended thing unless you were just going to show up while you're suspended? Good call. Good call. So Robley is indeed gone. We won't see him again. Another spoiler, guys. So don't be uh, watching out over your shoulders or anything like that. We will not further this storyline between Tommy Rich and Buck Robley, who by all accounts, by this point in his career anyway, doesn't really look like he belongs in the ring based on that that body type, but it is what it is. Yeah, we never do see uh, Buck back in Georgia again. No, we don't. He's back to the Mid-South after this for for a little while anyway. As the uh, National Tag Team Champions come out next, it's Gordy and Buddy Roberts going to a double DQ with the Junkyard Dog and Ted DiBiase. Match goes about 4 minutes, 45 seconds, but out of nowhere, all hell breaks loose. Michael Hayes joining in on the fight, three on two. The good guys still holding up their own here against the fabulous Freebirds. You know, I'd have to go back and look at this, but doesn't Tommy Rich come out to even the odds and he's in wrestling trunks? Hmm, I did not have that in my notes. I, I have it in my notes that it was okay. weird that 
you know, they did the injury angle with him, and then he winds up coming back out. Unless I'm combining two shows, you know, from the YouTube, just something's out of whack from a previous thing. But yeah, Tommy Rich comes out and gets involved in that at the end. Uh, for some reason, I do not have that in my notes, but I certainly trust you 100%. So I'm, I'm curious myself. I want to go back and check that out and see if I can put two and two together, see if he's got a bandage on his head, see what I can figure out there. Yeah, no, he did. I don't remember seeing a bandage on his head. Okay. So maybe, I, yeah, I mean, I, maybe this was I, recorded I earlier in the taping. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but no, th- that's, you know, what I had written down. And now you got me going to YouTube to see if I can find it. <laughs> well, we'll continue. I'll see if I can find it. I'll let Jamie look that up, guys, while we close out this episode of TV. We see one more matchup featuring Ken Batera defeating Tommy Wright. Needless to say, guys, Wright doesn't break that full Nelson. As we roll on May the 23rd, Chattanooga, Tennessee at the Memorial Auditorium. Ted Oates over at Bobby Eaton. Jerry Oates defeating the French Angel. Ted Oates working double duty, going to a draw with Big Jim Duggan. And in the main event, it's six-man action. The Freebirds, Hayes, Gordy, and Roberts, defeating Ted DiBiase, Tommy Rich, and Ricky Gibson. Oh, we got sound here. I'm oh, sorry, that was me. <laughs> You're fine, man. It, it's Brody beating the hell out of that guy right now. But <laughs> I, as I fast forward, let, let me get there. Tomorrow night at the Omni. All right, here's, here comes the end of the match. Here, we'll give... Oh, no, that's the, uh, that's live, the Mike Jackson match. Live play-by-play by Jamie here. I know the people are just loving this. Yeah, you're you're watching it out of order. The the dog things at the end of that that video on YouTube. Yeah, I, I, I'm there. I'm okay. in the last couple of minutes, and here we go. And here comes Hayes comes in the ring, and uh, he immediately jumps on DiBiase. Then Gordy goes over. They're double teaming DiBiase. The dog is pounding away on poor Buddy, and they <laughs> escape the ring. Okay, I must be. I don't know what in the world I was doing. There goes JYD running after him. Chasing there was no good freebirds off. <laughs> maybe you were I'm hanging wrong. out with the free, I, I, maybe you were hanging out I, with the freebirds the night before, man. You know what? Maybe I was. I mean, Michael was always one of my favorites. Maybe I was hanging out with Well, the Freebirds, Tom Robinson, take your pick. Either way. Hey, hey there's a lot of similarities there. <laughs> well, why'd you think I brought it up? So uh <laughs> same party habits once in a while. So Ooh, uh, did I say that? sorry, Tom. Oh yikes. K Five brother. So uh, we closed out TV. It was Kim Patera over Tommy Wright. We picked it up with the house show in Chattanooga. It was the Oates brothers running the gauntlet all night long. Ted Oates over Eaton. I said Jerry Oates defeating the French Angel. Then Ted Oates back out again, double duty, going to a draw with Big Jim Duggan. And then in the main event, the Freebirds, Hayes Gordy and Roberts, six-man action, defeating Ted DiBiase, Tommy Rich, and Ricky Gibson in an elimination match. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah nice to see this a couple times now we've seen... Ricky Gibson get in that main event. Yeah, but the difference here is we're talking elimination style, so there was probably more than one pinfall, you'd have to assume. Yeah, and Hayes and Buddy Roberts took the pinfalls. And they still won. The the birds went over. So good for them. As we roll on, back up to Columbus, Ohio. I feel like we haven't been here in a few weeks. May the 24th at the Ohio Center. Robert Gibson over Jim Duggan. National heavyweight champion Steve O defeating Bobby Eaton. It's Bruiser Brody over Mr. Wrestling 2. And what do we have here? Ted DiBiase and Austin Idol, darling. DiBiase and Austin Idol, what a team. Defeating the fabulous Freebirds, Gordy and Roberts. And in your main event, Tommy Rich downing the NWA world champion Harley Race on a DQ. Only in Columbus could you get Austin Idol back. 
Yeah, but still overall, that's kind of a weak card for what they had been uh, sending to Columbus up to this point. Yeah, I hear you, but I'm just looking at that world title match and then Austin Idol on the card. Hey, Brody and wrestling, too, could have been fun as well, but I get what you're saying. Usually top to bottom, Columbus is pretty stacked, but no Dusty Rhodes here, which kind of qualms things, and also no Andersons. Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to get to. No Ole Anderson influence on this card. Right. As uh, we roll on May the 25th, Huntington, West Virginia, at the Memorial Fieldhouse. It's Jerry Oates over Jim Duggan, Steve O defeating Bobby Eaton, Bruiser Brody over Robert Gibson, Ted DiBiase teaming with Wrestling 2 to defeat the Fabulous Freebirds in a match that was reportedly going 43 minutes. DiBiase and Wrestling 2 over the Birds, reportedly 43 minutes. I guess Wrestling 2 probably worked 17, because you know DiBiase worked the majority <laughs> oh, of that Oh, DiBiase one. took the heat there. Wrestling 2 just came in to clean up with the, with the knee lifts, no doubt. And he might have even got the pin on Roberts at that one. I wonder now, what they, what they and, did. I, you know what? It's nice to see two back because we haven't seen much of two in the last month or so. He's been around, but he hasn't been yeah, just featured really anything random. Prominent. Yeah, he seems to be working random house shows anyway. Yeah, maybe he's still trying to get the blood out of the mask from back in March. <laughs> well, let's hope he has by the time he's back on TV. As we continue on here, another world title matchup here in Huntington. It's Tommy Rich once again over Harley Race. By disqualification, match goes about a half an hour. So between the final two matches, you talk about a light card in Columbus. Let's assume some of these matches went about the same time length. You're looking at, what? wow, what an hour and 15 minutes just in the two matches alone. Yeah, and somehow Duggan makes 16 minutes. That's scary. At that it's, point in his career. At that career. point in his career, yeah, I got, I got to agree. Meanwhile, Bruiser Brody doing away with Robert Gibson in just two minutes flat. Well, that's <laughs> probably a minute 30 longer than it should have gone. At least in Brody's mind. I was always wondering how Robert got that eye. Never mind. We go on May the 26th, Hogansville, Georgia. It's Brian St. John over Tommy Wright, Ricky Gibson defeating the French Angel, Ken Patera over Ted Oates, and in the main event, Teddy Biasi teaming with Iron Mike Sharp over the Freebirds on a disqualification. So Mike Sharp still getting used here to pretty high degree main eventing here on this card anyway. Yeah. I mean, Sharp was a solid hand. There was nothing wrong with Sharp. No, and it's not one of the big cities anyway, so it makes sense to plug in whomever you can here. And Mike Sharp's believable, and we're going to see the way they use him here on the upcoming TV as well. As we continue on May the 27th, Columbus, Georgia this time, the Memorial Auditorium. It's Mike Sharp over Jim Duggan, Steve O defeating the French Angel, Bruiser Brody defeating Mr. Wrestling 2. Now there's a match I would have liked to see. Brody and Wrestling 2? Oh, yeah. Could could you see Brody... uh taking the wrong liberty with wrestling too. I could see him trying. And, and then two just going off on him. He, he, I could see him trying to go. I don't know that the two would have uh, won that battle, but I, I could certainly or see when Brody. they got back in, <laughs> back into, you know, the dressing room and, and two goes, yeah, well, I'm 75 years old. What do you think you're doing to me out there? <laughs> it's like that story between Scott Steiner and Bill Watts in 1992, right before Scotty quit when they got into that fight in the, uh, the locker room. And Bill Watts says, if I was 20 years younger, Scott, Scotty finished it. If you were 20 years younger, I'd kick your ass. So uh, it's kind of like that situation here. You wonder what happened. I- I'm hoping they just cooperated. I don't know how you cooperate in a match like that. But yeah, it would have been very interesting to see Brody taking on wrestling too. It sure would have been. Also on the card in Columbus, Georgia, Kim Patera defeating Jerry Oates and six-man tag team main event action. It's Tommy Rich, Ted DiBiase, and Ricky Gibson defeating the fabulous Freebirds by disqualification as we roll on may the 28th copper hill tennessee up in tennessee huh copper basin high school 
little light card here at the high school in Copper Hill. Jimmy Powell going to a draw with Pat Rose. It's Ted Oates defeating Gypsy Joe. The Gibson brothers, Ricky and Robert, over Bobby Eaton and Brian St. John. And the national heavyweight champion, finally back to headlining a show, Steve O defeating Kim Patera by disqualification. Yeah, Patera probably had the neck breaker on him and wouldn't break it, and there was your DQ. That's very likely. <laughs> Everybody run out to make the save. Patera just cleans house on the entire card here in Copper Hill. Bit of a light card there, but again, high school out of the territory. So very interesting, some of the places they just try out. Well, it was probably a sold show, a fundraiser. That's very possible. As uh, we continue on, I mean, also, hey, they went to Hogansville. So uh, more than once. More than once, yeah. Or whatever, Hogan something, yeah. Um, <laughs> also, May the 28th, you're wondering where the rest of the talent was here for Georgia. Marietta is where they are, Cobb County Civic Center. It's the French Angel over Tommy Wright. Iron Mike Sharp defeating Jim Duggan. Bruiser Brody over Jerry Oates. Ted DiBiase teaming with Tommy Rich to defeat the Freebirds, Gordy and Roberts on a DQ. And in the main event, Ted DiBiase going to a no contest with Michael Hayes. And I wrote, I wonder if this was one of those five-minute gimmicks where if DiBiase and Rich go over on the birds, DiBiase gets the five minutes with Michael Hayes because it just seems odd that following the tag team matchup, we get DiBiase again going to a no contest with Michael Hayes, who I assume ran away. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. That was that was a gimmick they love to use down in Georgia and, and most of the Southern promotions in general. Well, we talked about the changing of the guard as far as bookers go, and I think we've got there, Jamie, here on this May 30th edition of GCW on TBS. And we have pondered the time change, too. We talked about the 6.05 going back to 5.30. Well, still 5.30 here at this point on May the 30th, so I went back. Oh, the things I do. Yes, guys, I went back and did some digging into the 1981 TBS schedule for the weekend of May the 30th. And we thought maybe this was done for MLB and the Braves. But there was a movie at 7.30 when Georgia Championship Wrestling ended here, Jamie. The Braves actually play at the Padres on the West Coast at 10 p.m. Eastern. So I wrote, maybe this was done to squash the IWL right out of the gate. Well, when do they return to 6.05? I haven't gotten that far ahead. I'm not sure. Okay. because I'm thinking, you know, the Braves are just on the West Coast. Why change the time just for one week when maybe next weekend they're home? You're right back to having to do the 530 again. Well, good call there. Pretty obvious uh, answer, I think. I, I guess I just wasn't thinking because that's a pretty damn good answer, Jamie. Yeah, they um, probably just <laughs> flip-flopped the Braves in the movie. Good call. But also, where, where's Tush? Ooh, Tush. Bill Tush. Well, don't they like, replay Tush, it on right? Sundays? Where's, where, where's Bill Tush here? Don't they replay that on Sundays? Yeah, they do. But still, Saturday <laughs> night was... You get to see it live the first time. So so then you watch it Sunday and catch whatever you miss. Preempted, unfortunately. Sorry, Jamie. Yeah, I, I didn't stay up late that night. <laughs> you got a good memory. Uh, so we kicked this off May the 30th in the opener. It was Brian St. John over Jerry Mahoney. Jer- Jerry Mahoney. Okay. Wasn't out of control quest or was he the dummy? I thought Mahoney was on Police Academy. Or that's another that's, Mahoney. That, that's another Mahoney. Okay. Um, I, I'm sure some of the older guys like me know who Jerry Mahoney is. And Paul Winchell and Jerry Mahoney. Paul Winchell was a ventriloquist and Jerry Mahoney was his dummy. Okay. Sorry, go, go ahead, back. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. You, you know, my mind wanders once in a while. So what you're saying here is Brian St. John beat a dummy, Jerry Mahoney, as the show goes on. Up next, tag team action with a relative unknown, at least to the Georgia fans, 
a guy by the name of Bruce Reed teaming with Bobby Garrett here, taking on the national tag team champions, the fabulous Freebirds, Gordy and Roberts. And we get a really fun showdown between Reed and Gordy to start off, but eventually Garrett going to tag in and get worked over. Buddy Roberts winds up sending Garrett out of the ring, but on his way out, he makes the hot tag to Bruce Reed. And Reed comes in a house of fire, taking on both Freebirds single-handedly until Michael Hayes tripping Reed up from the floor, drawing the disqualification after five minutes. Yeah, even I I remember seeing this one live, and awesome. even I had no idea who Bruce Reed was going into right. this match. But what he displayed in this match is no wonder why he became the top guy in Florida for a while and a top guy in Mid-South and was respectable in the WWF. The, the guy was the total package before Lex Luger. Oh, yeah. And for those who weren't positive, in case you were curious, Bruce Reed is indeed Butch Reed. And for those of you who have been following me on the Grenade Show as of late, Don Morocco currently feuding with Butch Reed. But Morocco, you know, he danced to the beat of his own drum, Jamie. So he insisted on referring to Butch as Bruce in all the promos. So it's always funny. That's not surprising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Means he would quote, Bruce Reed, who's that? You know who he is. Don't you read? Didn't you read the Kansas City programs? Of course he didn't. Come on, Don. But no, I just thought it was funny. In 1987, we're heading into 88, and Don Morocco referring to Butch's Bruce there in the World Wrestling Federation. But yes, indeed, this Bruce Reed is indeed who you guys were thinking. It's Butch Reed. And Reed, essentially, Jamie, about to win the match versus the unstoppable tag team champion Freebirds by himself. Uh, about to get it done there before Michael Hayes got involved. Freebirds looking to attack Butch Reed post-match, but Bruce slamming Buddy Roberts off the top rope, sending Gordy and Hayes packing as well. So from an unknown to yet another instant top babyface star born here in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah, I mean, it, it appears they brought a ringer in on Michael Hayes on this one. They sure did. And if you thought Michael Hayes was going to walk away from this without a comment, well, you thought wrong, guys. Here he is. It's the crybaby. Yeah, I said it. The Prince's sissy. Here's Michael Hayes. Who is he, Gordon Sully? Everything. Who is he? You bring out idiots after idiots. We've done more for professional wrestling than anybody in the history, and this is what we get for gratitude. Gratitude, this is it. It's a conspiracy against us. They want to run us out of Georgia, and they don't want to just get us out. No. They want to hurt us. There's too many changes going on, and none of them are going our way. Michael Hayes, perhaps with some shoot comments there, there's a lot of changes going on, and none of them going our way. As uh, they go for the very confident Freebirds here, bringing in guys like Butch Reed, says Michael Hayes, is a conspiracy against the Birds. Everybody's against them, and they want them gone. Nothing is going their way, says a whining Michael Hayes. So the Birds... They went from extreme confidence to extreme worry in record time, it would seem. And when you look forward, Michael Hayes is having a premonition here of what is to uh, to come, because this is going to be a very, uh, what's the cereal box word I'm looking for? A uh, tumultuous period for the Freebirds between now and July 4th or 11th. Tumultuous. Very good, Jamie. As uh, we continue on, up next, a rebuttal, well, of sorts, it's Gordon Sully standing by ringside talking to the newcomer Bruce Reed, who will in turn be interrupted by the one and only Bruiser Brody. Let's listen. 
May I just take a second to offer you my congratulations? I've seen some electrifying competitors in my years in professional wrestling, but you're one of the best I've ever seen. Well, thank you, Gordon. But you know that's the name of the game, competition. And I'm right here in Georgia. The, this is the capital of wrestling. And this is the reason why I'm here. Because the best is here. And the only way you can get to be the best is to go after the best. That's the reason why I'm here. I had, some, I had good competition in there. You know, those free birds, they tough. But they're also dangerous. They try to hurt you if they can. That's the reason why I keep myself in top condition. I train all the time. I got an athletic background, college football, pro football. Go back as far as athletic competition goes, and I know what it's all about. Well, you're from uh, the great uh, Show Me State of Missouri. I've been here a few weeks and I've told you, and I'm going to tell you a big mouth too. I run the show here. I don't want to hear about who we play football with or nothing. I want you to know one thing. Bro, hey, hey, one thing here. You got it. Bruce Reed emerges on the scene, and it looks like he may be the next foe in line for the fabulous Freebirds. But, to quote Vince Russo, we get a little swerve, bro. Because out of nowhere, Bruiser Brody comes out and bitch slaps Butch Reed right there on TV. But Butch, he was ready to go, ready to throw down. But then we get the officials out there to separate the two before anything can happen. Very heated segment there. Oh, yeah. Butch wasn't afraid. I'm sorry. Bruce wasn't afraid of Brody at all, but something just pops to mind here. Sure. We, we do know that Reed was in St. Uh, St. Louis central States before this. I wonder maybe if this is some bruiser Brody influence and in handpicking Bruce Reed to come to Georgia. Well, he's certainly somebody, you know, if I was looking at, if I was Brody, like I can work with this guy, not only is he talented and, you know, he has the ability, but he has that look, especially for someone like a Brody to go up against. I mean, if you're Brody, who would you rather? And Brody enjoyed working. He didn't have to beat people up all the time. He, right. he enjoyed working. No, who sure. would you rather work with? Somebody that can keep up with you, with you like uh, Bruce Reed? Or do you want to go through a slow, trudging match with Blackjack Mulligan? <laughs> well, I, I guess I'd be picking Butch Reed my, or Bruce Reed myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's kind of interesting because I like how they set it up at first. You know, It was really just to get him uh, over was the, the angle with the Freebirds, because you think maybe he's going to feud with the Birds, but no, it's Bruiser Brody, at least this week here on TV, coming out slapping Butch Reed, Reed not backing down. Looks like the two are going to come come to head, and then um, the officials sadly would not allow it here. But we do have action in the ring, so we'll have to see what happens next. It's Bruiser Brody, once again this week, taking on Tommy Wright uh, in another mauling, I, I wrote here, uh, in and out of the ring once again this week, Jamie. Brody going to end it with a drop kick and a knee drop, pinning right in just under two minutes. And then post-match, Brody going to have an impromptu visit with Gordon Soley. I'm sure he loved those. Trying to make a point, trying to make an example out of his TV opponents, so says Brody. Brody referencing an upcoming match with Abdullah the Butcher, who he will apparently be facing at the Omni all of a sudden. I wrote, well, that's new. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. And this is where we're seeing the, uh, the change in bookers here. Right. And and also with this interview, it's not at the podium. They're at ringside for this one. Gordon went up the ringside, which he should have never done because once again, Brody winds up getting behind Gordon 
and kind of pushes him out of the way. And Gordon's pissed. You could just say it. <laughs> he, he was not happy at all. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the whole reasoning was for that, because they, they even did the Butch Reed promo from the uh, in front of the uh, ring as well before Brody. Yes, it did. So, yeah, just kind of interesting what, what was going on over there at the uh, the podium area. The reason we were changed over here to the ringside didn't really that was more of a Florida deal. I, they would do it at the desk and they would do it at, at the ring. But we didn't see that a lot in Georgia. Well, new Booker maybe trying a new idea here. That and could be it. After this one week, Gordon says, "No, no, no, no. I'm staying back at my podium from now uh-uh, on, brother. No, sir. We will not have I, that here. I, I don't have a full desk here in Georgia, but I got a podium, and this is where I'm going to stay." So, Bruiser Brody versus Abdullah the Butcher out of nowhere with no build. I wrote, "Not really sure why." Very random. Very Tony Khan esque booking for a match of that magnitude. Oh yeah. It was a- Change overnight. Now, um, I didn't catch it. Did they run the whole card on the twenty, the twenty third show? Uh, the, you mean the last, the last week's show? No, they did not. Okay, because I don't remember who. I, I know there's a couple matches that we're going to find out about, but I, I don't remember who Brody was supposed to work with on this show. So last week up. we we saw what Brody did with Mister Poor Mister Howard with the wheelchair, and this week it's Tommy Wright's turn. Because after the promo, Brody back to beating down Tommy Wright, attacking Wright after the matchup, pummeling him down, tossing the referee out of the ring this time as well. Brody just relentless on Wright here until Bruce Reed back out to make the save. That's right, guys. Reed comes right back out, coming right after the bruiser, rocking him with those big soup bone rights, sending Brody out of the ring. And it looks like bruiser Brody, he wants no more of Bruce Reed here today. Reed calling for Brody to come back. But it's just not happening. Bruce then aiding Tommy Wright from the ring. And it's just amazing how if you had that look and that ability, one quick appearance on TV was all it took to get over. Oh, yeah. And he he really could have gotten a, not to be racial, but the Tony Atlas push here. Sure. No, and I know what you mean. It, it didn't develop that way, but it was laid in their laps for him. He was over so much. They should have given him the Superman push. Oh, I think it would have worked. It worked in Florida. That's for sure. Oh, certainly did down there. And so I guess George Scott just wasn't fully a uh, Bruce Reed guy because he basically gets buried in prelims and teams up with um, Master G. Master G. Before, oh, before all is said and done here in Georgia. God bless you, George Wells. As uh, <laughs> we continue on the show, last week we learned it was Tommy Rich and Ted DiBiase scheduled to take on the Freebirds at the Omni inside a steel cage. Well, Booker's change. Things change, Jamie. Here we go right now. Gordon Sully standing by with Rich and DiBiase, and the entire Omni card seems to be flipped upside down. I come back to Georgia. Georgia's always been good to me. I come back. I met Ted DiBiase, and there's a whole lot of things been happening to him, happening to me. And you know, it just seems like every time you know I left and come back, it seems like each time I come back, there's more and more things going on, more and more competition. And you know, it's just uh, it's, the situation's coming. Summer's getting here, and everything's happening. You know, last week I got a tag jump, but I'm still here. You know, and and, and these people that they get behind us and you know get out there and holler, go Ted. Go and go Tommy go you know it's great and it's just a great bunch of people here and all over the country you know I've been traveling been going to Louisiana you know the Carolinas uh, Ohio we've been you know been going all over the country and it's just great to be here in Georgia that's right you know Tommy it's uh, it's fantastic one of the finest men that I've ever come across in a long time Gordon right here is Tommy Rich and it's a, it's a pleasure for me to be here and it's a pleasure to be with him and I'll stand by him all the way 
All right, tomorrow night, of course, at the Omni, you have your chance against the world heavyweight champion, Harley Race. You've defeated him once, right here in the state of Georgia. Yes, I sure did, Gordon. You know, and, and it was these people right here that got behind me. You know, I, I, at one time, I gave up. I said, I'll never do it. But I come back to Georgia, the people got behind me, and I beat him. And now I've got another chance right here in Atlanta, Georgia. This is my hometown. It's the, you know, I've got the home field advantage. Atlanta, Georgia, the Omni. Race, you better be ready, because I am ready. So I guess we're just ignoring last week's announcement of the cage match versus the Freebirds because they're not even going to acknowledge it here, not even going to try to explain it away. And the Buck Robley attack last week is also now an afterthought, it would seem. Tommy Rich dismisses it this week as essentially no big thing. And it now appears that tomorrow night, Tommy Rich once again gets his NWA world title rematch against Harley Race. Harley promised Tommy a rematch, and here it is wildfire ready for a second run at that nwa title and this is the moment of the change is finally prevalent to the rest of us the cowboy's gone george george scott is in charge yeah he's just changing things to whatever he wants it to be at this point it feels yeah so he i'm going to guess that they didn't have these dates with harley already pre-booked and harley just happened to be free because uh, we saw there was a couple matches this past week, and they must have just brought Harley in and uh, made arrangements for Harley to get one ex- maybe even one extra night at the Omni. Yeah, and I can see that being a thing, because remember, it was Rich and DiBiase against the Birds. It's the dog against Michael Hayes. So you really don't have anybody else here at this point that can challenge race credibly in the main event for the World Heavyweight title. So makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, you could have given Ted the shot, but... Tommy's on the hot streak, so, and like we said before, Harley already told him he could have a title shot, so here we go. So, the match is being changed all over the place, and no mention of Ted DiBiase's opponent right now. For the Omni, we'll have more on that later, guys. Clearly some changing of the Omni card with little explanation, though, and the Robley deal completely ignored with new booker George Scott in control. As we head back to the ring for tag team action, it is Tommy Rich and Ted DiBiase teaming up to take on the team of the French Angel and, well, it's supposed to be the Assassin, but wait, it would seem the Assassin is being replaced by the NWA world champion himself, Harley Race. Wow, what a way, what, what a matchup for TV. Yeah, and this was one that a lot of um, Southern promoters would do. They'd bring Race in, he'd go into a tag team match, and, and he would do the honors. And that tag team match and build up the uh, house show title match. Yeah, Harley didn't have problems doing jobs. No, not at all. The, the more money, you know, that the promoter makes, the more money he makes. That's right. And uh, the story here in this one is that Harley Race, he wants to prove that Tommy Rich's title win was all a fluke. He wants to beat him here today on TV, maybe even prevent him from making it to the Omni tomorrow night. And this is a fun but short tag team matchup. Leads to a four-way melee DiBiase pairing off with the angel Frank Morrell, while Tommy Rich lands a Thez press on the world champion Harley Race and scores the one, two, three. Yes, indeed, guys. Wildfire Tommy Rich has pinned the NWA world champion again, this time on TV, Jamie. But they're always a but, and you go ahead and give it to everybody, Ray. Ah, yes, guys. What Jamie is referring to is Harley Race was not the legal man during that finish but it still goes down as a win for the good guys. That's absolutely right. But again, Harley gets pinned, but he wasn't the legal man. So, hey, it's no big deal. It's not It's not official. 
it really shouldn't count in the record books according to Harley. And we're going to hear that right now as we head off to Gordon Sully standing by. It's a heated promo from the NWA world champion, Harley Race. Be the angel and the assassin going up against Ted DiBiase and Tommy Rich when suddenly six times world heavyweight champion Harley Race entered the ring and uh, took the assassin's place. And I would imagine that a lot of people are very curious to know why exactly did you do that? I came up here precisely to eliminate some obstacles. You got a lot of tough contenders here. Like Tommy Rich, Ted DiBiase. These people continuously keep bouncing up in my face. I wanted to eliminate a situation. And I'm sick and tired of having everybody say that I run from situations. Well, I've never run in my life. I didn't become world heavyweight champion six times by running. Well, I came here to do it myself. I'll guarantee you that it will be done. I'll take you, Tommy Rich, and break you if it's the last thing I do. Well, of course, tomorrow night at the Omni here in Atlanta, Harley Race, the world heavyweight champion, will be wrestling against the number one contender, Tommy Rich. Let's talk to the champion about this match tomorrow night. He has defeated you once. He's defeated me not once, twice. It just happened again. The wrong man. The wrong man on me in the ring. It can do no wrong in the state of Georgia. They allow him to do exactly what he wants to do. Well, let me tell you something, Rich. In the Omni, I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. It's a promise. Of course, Harley Ray's pointing out he wasn't the legal man in that finish, which was true. Harley doesn't run from situations, Jamie. He says he's here to eliminate one. He will break Tommy Rich tomorrow night in the Omni. I loved Harley here. Might have been our first angry Harley Race promo we've heard all year here in Georgia. As Gordon Sully mentions that Tommy Rich, he's defeated Race once before. But Race does one better. He makes sure to say that, no, Tommy's beat Harley twice now. Gets a huge pop. Uh, master class uh, promo here from Harley Race, knowing exactly what to say to get the big pop from the fans. Adding more momentum for Tommy Rich heading into the Omni. Hey, they only had 24 hours to build up a gate for this show. I thought Harley did a great job with this. So, promo. so bringing Harley in, I mean, this is a fantastic interview. And to, to go back and to once again, you believe Harley Race was real. I'm starting to become a smart fan at this point. I'm far from it. But at least when it came to the title matches, you know, you had your doubts. Maybe the title matches are real. Maybe something else is going on in the other matches. But the title matches are, are real. And Harley Race was real. Oh, no doubt about it. They, they bring in the world champion. It's a battle of world champions. You really uh, That's your backstory. And you have one segment on the entire show. I'm not saying they couldn't have booked more segments on the show, but we have this one segment to sell the entire match for tomorrow night at the Omni, your main event. And they do a great job. Tommy Rich pins the world champion on TV. Harley Race, you know, he has the argument, I wasn't the legal man. And then Harley's just cutting a very pissed off promo, and I loved it. I don't know if you caught it, but I caught it. He called DiBiase DeBiase. Yeah, I've heard Harley mispronounce a name or two in his time. And he also, when he said all the challengers, you know, there was one guy that was missing there that never gets left out when they're talking about challengers for the world title. Who are you talking about, Bebe? You got it, baby. (laughs) And and in just about, I forget what the date was. Let's say just about 18 days, baby. 
<laughs> the world will be right all oh, over. Yeah. Mm, good to know. As uh, TBS wrestling action goes on, Robert Gibson picking up a win here over Ole Anderson back in Georgia. Don't get all crazy, guys. It was by disqualification. You have to think Ole probably grabbed hold of an arm bar. Maybe Gibson made it to the ropes and Ole wouldn't release. I'm just making stuff up here, guys, trying to figure out how the DQ came about, but seems logical. Yeah, that's what I would go with. He probably didn't break a hold. As Either I'm, that or he just pounded, you know, he <laughs> said, oh, yeah, Brody, watch a real professional come out here. <laughs> Poor Robert Gibson, who's who's done pretty well for himself on the underneath here. Really and like there the you go. You're, you already mentioned Robert might have got his condition from Brody. Maybe right. he got it from Ole in this match. <laughs> you never know. Uh, so coming out of that matchup, Ole never one to uh, shy away from a few words standing by right now with Gordon Soley. The theme is you'll find anywhere. I'll tell you what, people have been talking a long time. One of the Anderson brothers is going to get a chance to go with the Freebirds. Put the Freebirds and the Andersons in the match. Are you listening at home? Well, listen up good because it's going to happen. Tomorrow, the Freebirds and the Andersons in the same ring at the same time. You might be talking about only going home, but only coming right here. He's coming back to Georgia. And it's just not a match. Gene and I wanted to make sure that the winner undisputed winner would be declared tomorrow and that's exactly what's going to happen a cage 10 foot steel chain link fence is going to be around that ring tomorrow the Anderson and uh, Ole Anderson making the proclamation that Ole is coming back to Georgia so clearly with the changing of bookers comes the changing of several matches now at the upcoming Omni card last week we learned Tommy Rich and DiBiase scheduled against the birds in the cage perhaps the final revenge match you would have to think Enter new booker George Scott, who may have been influenced by Ole Anderson here. Uh, as Rich, yeah, do you think? <laughs> well, maybe just a little. As uh, Rich and DiBiase now out of that cage match, we've already learned that. So I was kind of wondering, what are they going to do with the birds, Jamie? Well, here it is: the Andersons, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Gene Anderson, now the challengers or the opponents for the Free Birds and the battle of perhaps the two most hated heel teams and Georgia history, which sounds cool, but still, I'm not a huge fan of the major change just 24 hours out. Couldn't it have waited to the next Omnicard? Well, yeah, you would have thought they would have saved that for a buildup, but if you're just trying to get that quick walk-up gate, what better than a battle of two teams that you hate that you just want to go see in a steel cage destroy each other? I'm sure that's how Ole sold it to get himself on that card in quick fashion. Oh, absolutely. And like I said before, I'm an Ole guy. I believed Ole was real. Sure. For good reason. Even when I met Ole, I thought Ole was real. <laughs> He's one of those guys, that's for sure. He, he actually turned out to be a real nice guy. But when... Um, oh, don't let him hear you say that. But when Chris Cruz introduced him to me and uh, he said, Ole, this is uh, Jamie Ward. He's a friend of wrestling. Uh, Ole gave me, a, <laughs> gave me a real handshake, not the kayfabe handshake. Hey, very... Very nice to meet you. You know, thanks for being a supporter of us. And I said, yeah, I've been watching you since 81. And he said, hey, I've, you know, that's real nice of you to, to do that. And I appreciate you coming to the show tonight. And, uh, hey, nice to meet you. I, I got to get going. Very pleasant guy. That, that, yeah, Bob, <laughs> well, Roop, Bob Roop shared. Overall, right? You know, I got some Bob Roop stories coming up uh, on Ole Anderson. So stay tuned for those guys on Bob Roop's upcoming uh podcast the wrestling stoop he was talking all about Ole. we haven't gotten too much into it yet on the show few stories off air but a lot of fun Ole anderson stories coming very soon oh i can't wait to listen to the bob roop show <laughs> once you have that going i mean i've i've heard roop 
uh, on a couple other podcasts, and the guy seems like a straight shooter to me. So this oh, is yeah. going to be very interesting. Absolutely. I've had a lot of fun. We've got a couple of shows in the books. Many, many, many more to come. A million stories to go, guys. Looking forward to more of that very soon. Each and every week, the Wrestling Stoop with Bob Roop here uh, on the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. But right now, it's regional wrestling as we continue on here with May the 30th television. Tommy Rich, we know he winds up in the world title match now with Harley Race, Jamie, which is great for him. We know the Birds now wrestling the Andersons in a cage. Dogs still wrestling Michael Hayes. What does that leave Ted DiBiase? Well, DiBiase simply lumped into a cold match with Nikolai Volkov, who doesn't even appear on TV, so it may not say a whole lot for DiBiase's future here long-term. I know he's going to be here for a bit, but I mean push-wise. In the grand scheme of things, DiBiase pulled out of a a huge match, and yeah, you can wrestle Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, but they're going to make it up to Ted shortly. Even though he's going to get screwed out of the world title, some other things are going to fall his way before he ends up leaving. Well, for all you AEW fans out there, and I'm not sure how many AEW fans actually listen to Territory Wrestling Podcast, but let's just say there's a few out there that do. First of all, we thank you guys very much, but you guys will love this one because with no build, we have a cage match between the Freebirds and the Andersons. So we're going to have a decisive winner, it would seem. Oh, the AEW fans would be eating this one up. But you know what? AEW is what AEW is. We all wish that Tony Khan would have taken the old school approach and did more of the soap opera stuff, but sure. it, it, it's his vision. It's his money. He can do what he wants, whether we agree with it or not. I know a lot of old school fans that enjoy what he's doing. I know a lot of old school fans that aren't. I blow through it each week. I'm not overly enthused, but every now and then I'll catch some stuff that, you know, will, will uh, not make me fast forward through the match and just wait sure. for the end. Well, I mean, you know, I just want to see them thrive, and I feel like they're kind of stagnant right now based on that whole not having storylines, you know, draw, built up type situations. But I do know there's a lot of people that enjoy what they're putting out there, so I'm not trying to knock anything. It's not my cup of tea right now anyway, but I just want to see them stay in business and create competition. I want guys to be able to make money, and I want that competition. I love growing up watching Various promotions, Jamie. Remember growing up when we liked them all? It wasn't a big war for the fans? Well, that's because everybody worked together. There you go. Uh, we learned, though, uh, scheduled up next is Ken Patera to close out our number one. Kenny not only plans another feat of strength this week, but afterwards he has signed a contract to take on not one, not two, but three separate opponents here today. Pretty ballsy. In succession, Jamie. Yeah, and this is a very... Well put together, whoever thought of this. I guess it would have been George Scott, possibly. This really puts Patera over, big time. Yeah, I was thinking back, before we get into the angle, I was thinking back, trying to think if they did something similar to this throughout George Scott's mid-Atlantic booking tenure, and it's possible because he was there for such a long time. I just couldn't come up with anything, but really fun here right now. We're going to get going, guys, with Ken Patera here uh, in a promo, talking about his upcoming feat of strength heading into three matches contracts to meet three opponents in a row oh, come on, baby. everybody wants to see the world's strongest man do its thing last week it was an iron steel bar bent around my neck right and i promised the people out there that each week i would do something different well this week you know everybody's talked about driving nails through boards 
Well, I've done that too. I found something that was a little more difficult, driving a screwdriver through some solid oak board. How many people have done that? Nobody, to my knowledge. So I'm gonna treat you people to that. You know, I've been talking to the promoters about my talent on TV matches. I haven't been able to get competition. The talent is lousy. A bunch of bums. So what did Campatera do? I went out, signed three open contracts, lined them up. Whoever wants to put their name on there is welcome to it. Well, I could mean uh, Tommy Rich, Ted DiBiase, uh, hey, I don't Zane care Hickey. who it is. Harley Race, Wahoo McDaniels, anybody. I don't care. And I'm going to whip them like dirty yard dogs on national TV just the way they deserve to be whipped. Well, may we see this exactly what do you intend to do now with this feat of strength, sir? How about everybody getting up close, huh? Yeah. These are solid oak boards. Here's a screwdriver. And I'm going to attempt and succeed at driving these through. First, I'll go one board and then two. All right, let's watch this very, very carefully now. All right, baby. Well, he did it indeed. He did it indeed. And now, I'll try two solid oak boards. To my knowledge, nobody's ever done this. And I'm not going to come out here and do something that I know nobody else can do. Well, let's just, if I may, can we just take a look at the board so the people can understand? Uh, as you can see, there are no holes of any kind. I'd just like to attest that's to the, the verification. That's to a two-by-four. May I stress it takes a great deal of concentration. A lot of people have the strength to do it, but they are unable to do it because they don't have it up here, baby. Well, he's going to attempt it again. Watch him carefully. Well, he's drove it all the way through. It went through at the same time to prove that they're oak boards. Look at the screwdriver. What happened to it, Gordon? Yeah, it's the, the whole shaft is bent, and it did. It came all the way through it. There's no question about that. All right. How is that a feat of strength? That is Bending a solid steel spike at the same time driving through two oak boards. Now, where's the competition here, huh? I want some competition! Well, you have a match in the ring, and... Uh, hey, where's my competition? They all chickened out. Three open contracts for the man. But nobody wants to taste the man's wrath. Well, all right, I'll tell you what, uh, Zane Hickey is out there. Afternoon. So there it was, Kenny Patera driving not nails, but rather a screwdriver through oak boards. Does it through one, then he stacks them up and does it through two at the same time. Not Again, like you said, Jamie, not gimmicked. Oh, no, not at all. And, and damn, is this impressive. No, the boards do not split. They're, they're clearly solid oak boards, and he just drills the screwdriver so hard through the boards that it actually bends. Yeah, I was just about to say that. He actually bends a screwdriver. And now he's about to go in the ring and fight three men in a row. Three in a but row? Then, but then again, he is a George Scott guy. Look at all the time Patera spent yeah. in Mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic. Right, you're right. Absolutely. And I'm sure maybe he would have been in the WWF, you know, had he oh, not sp- been Speaking in, of Mid-Atlantic, have you had any luck finding any Ken Patera Ric Flair matches? No, I don't know if it was John. You know, it's been so many weeks now since we discussed that. So I don't, I hate to quote the wrong person. I don't remember if it was John McAdam or if it was somebody else who sent a picture of Flair and Patera in the ring against each other from Mid-Atlantic. It was a tag team match. Uh, and that was the only match they ever knew of that where the two, you know, went, went at each other. So wow. okay. I apologize if it wasn't John. John sent me a few things on social media when I've asked questions. So, 
He's the first one that comes to my mind and has been a few weeks. So apologies if I'm crediting the wrong person. But I think it was John that sent me that. Yeah, and you would have thought Patera and Flair may have passed uh, cross paths in St. Louis. But I'd have to do my homework and, and look that up. We will roll on, guys. Here it is, Kim Patera in the ring. Three men, not at one time, but rather one at a time. And it all starts off with Kenny Patera defeating Zane Hickey with a big body toss across the ring. Always loved that spot by Patera until he got injured doing it to Tom Stone in 1987 WWF. Patera launching Zane Hickey across the ring for locking in the full Nelson, securing the first win, leading into the second matchup again. Patera successful over Larry Brock, suplexing Brock back in from the apron and then locking in the full Nelson for the second win of the night. So, Jamie, you might be asking, Who's the third person? Who's the third member of the NWO? No, it's Iron Mike Sharp, guys. Iron Mike Sharp stepping up to be the third opponent of Ken Patera here this week on TV. And Patera, he does not look happy, guys. Kenny unable to budge Big Mike, so he lands a sucker knee to the gut and locks in his full Nelson hold. But Mike in the ropes, so Patera has to break. Kenny going to go try locking on a second time, though, Jamie. But Sharp overpowering Patera breaking the arms before Patera can completely lock on the full Nelson. Sharp then, surprising everybody, reversing the hold. Sharp with his own full Nelson locked in on Ken Patera. What will happen, guys? Well, I'll tell you what happens. TV time expires, marking the end of hour number one. Of course. Usually they say this stuff for the end of a an entire program, right. but they, they say this one for the and an hour one, which was probably the end of the show in syndication. And this is actually going to be a match tomorrow night at the Omni. So this was a great way, last minute way of building up that matchup. You want to see more of this. I wanted to see, I'm not, I don't say this very often about Mike Sharp matches, but I wanted to see more of this after the way they played this out here. Mike Sharp basically, and it was very believable. Mike Sharp is a big boy uh, blocking, basically breaking the full Nelson before it could be completely locked on by Patera and then reversing it. Applying one on Patera instead. And we were talking a few weeks ago how Patera had to be a little ticked off that uh, Sharp was using his move. Right, yes. On his, on his first week in the territory. That's right, that's right, yep. But, and, hey, here, here's a little Mike Sharp story for you that just popped into my head. Uh, I think I've mentioned before that I did a little play-by-play work for Larry Sharp and Dennis Carluzzo's WWA. Right. Well, once upon a time. I didn't do that much. But th- the reason I got to kind of fill in on the, the actual TV show was that I attended, along with Dennis, Sharpomania. It was the, the night before <laughs> WrestleMania in North, North Jersey. Wow. It was Larry Sharp against Iron Mike Sharp, the Battle of the Sharps. There you go. And I sat in the top of the bleachers with my microphone and my video camera, and I did play-by-play for that match. And I ended up giving it to Larry, who actually spliced it into their TV show. Oh, wow. Okay. Sharpomania. Sharpomania. And then a TV taping or two later that the announcer hadn't shown up and they're getting ready to begin the show. And he called and got hold of somebody and he was in a car accident. So Dennis says, you're on. And I wound up doing... Uh, the next three weeks worth of television, which, which was only like one or two matches each show, because it was only like a half hour TV show. So out there somewhere, 
on YouTube probably. It's <laughs> me doing Sharpomania and a, and a couple of the WWA TV shows. Well, there's another Mike Sharp match I have to see, not just because of you, because I just really got to see Sharpomania. What what happens? <laughs> well, you know who was victorious. Well, if he was uh, promoting the show, I can I can take a pretty good guess. It, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and this was 1989, 90. Oh, okay. around there. Very cool. Good stuff. Larry Larry Sharp way. Yeah, it was Atlantic Friday. City, so it was it was 1989 when Sharp Romania occurred. Terrific. <laughs> what a way to close out hour number one. Pretty hot, and we kick it off hour number two. Just as hot, maybe even hotter. What a way to kick it off, guys! The second hour. It's the return, darling, of Austin Idol. Obviously, it. Uh... He really needs no introduction. I'm referring, of course, to Austin Idol. Dallin, the Idol is back, and as you can hear and see for yourself that I have not been forgotten. You know, that's why the promoters here called me, and they said they sent out a distress call from the Caribbean Islands where I was on vacation. They said, distress, this is SOS, save our ship. And that ship being Georgia Championship Wrestling, they said, please come back to Georgia and pack the arenas like you used to. And that's why all the promoters around the country, not only here in Georgia, darling, but the promoters there in the mid, mid-Atlantic wrestling, in the worldwide wrestling area, and in the, the Southwest Sports Area in Dallas, Texas, are all clamoring, literally begging and pleading to get the heartthrob back in the arenas and pack them like I used to. And remember one thing, like I always said, there's only one Caesar in Rome, darling, and there's only one Caesar in wrestling, and you're looking at him, and I've got one thing to say. All the wrestlers, the Andersons, the Tommy Riches, the Rogers, and last but not least, the Ric Flairs are trying to get Austin Idol to team up with. Well, forget it. I do it by myself and need nobody. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. If you want to know anything, just ask him, that's for sure. Let's turn it over to our ring announcer. Well, that explains the VTR. A couple weeks back, we talked about Austin Idol seeing a VTR of a matchup from last fall. Austin Idol is back, darling. Uh, they called upon him while he was on vacation down in the IWL or Sun Belt or whatever it was. Apparently, Georgia was losing its ass, Jamie, at the house shows, and the ratings were in the tank. So they had to call upon Austin Idol to save the day. Idol making it clear he wants no partners, no friends. He's here for himself. Well, that's a shoot. And yet somehow that was supposed to be a babyface promo. Well, you got to remember it's been what six seven months since we've seen idol but you listen to the that crowd that that crowd still remembers austin idol and loves him so i can see why that would be a babyface promo well i mean yeah idol being idol but it's it's still idol being idol i guess at the end of the day is what was the point i was getting at and uh, unfortunately uh there's not going to be a whole lot to be had here i don't know if that's george scott's fault i don't know if that's austin idol's decision not really sure what happens here but uh We'll enjoy it while it lasts today as Austin Idol steps in the ring, defeating Gypsy Joe with the Las Vegas leg lock in two minutes and 40 seconds. And I didn't look too far ahead, but I don't believe Idol's here very much longer. Yeah, I guess we can call this the Ernie Ladd paradox. (laughs) Do explain. You know, Ernie came in for one show. We didn't see Ernie again for a year. We never see Buck Robley again. Ever. And Austin Idol, we're not going to, I mean, he's here. I don't think he appears on another TV show. He does not. After this, we don't see him again until October. 
Yeah, he came in for that Columbus, Ohio show, which was kind of like the big deal show. He probably got paid pretty good there, especially in this matchup against the Birds. And then he's here making this promo, proclaiming himself back in the territory, and then he's gone. Yeah, maybe this was another, what do they call it, a casualty of war? Watts tells him, come on in, I'm going to pay you. And, you know, during the middle of that week that he shows up here, you know, they're switching bookers, and Scott says, well, you can work the one show, and then... I don't need you anymore. Well, one thing's for sure. If Austin Idol didn't get the pay he was promised, he wasn't sticking around. Right, exactly. So he probably got stiffed a little bit and hasta la vista, baby. You know, as the show goes on here, it was great to see Austin Idol. By the way, I popped for it. I marked out for it. I was a huge Austin Idol fan as a kid. Still am to a degree. And uh, unfortunately, you know, as as you know, we age, we learn a little more about the person, <laughs> not just the character on television, but as a character there was uh, very few that I loved more than Austin Idol growing up. So it was cool to see him here this week, even though, you know, short term, like you said, till the fall. But, uh, you know, as we go on with the show, a lot of the times, uh, you know, we'll start talking about wrestlers and we wonder, did this match ever happen? We were talking about Flair and Patera a little bit. Did, you know, is there any footage out there of those two going at it? And so to answer the question here, if anybody ever had this question, did this match ever happen? Listen to this one, guys. Chief Wahoo McDaniel beating Jim Duggan. Now, we know he's not Hacksaw yet, but... Still kind of cool to see Wahoo in there with Jim Duggan, two former footballers, and a battle with some real hosses. The finish is going to see Duggan bust out a leapfrog, but he turns around right into the big Wahoo chop, and McDaniel going to score the win, four minutes and ten seconds. Duggan putting on some beef as of late as well, Jamie, getting a little bigger, really fine-tuning his look, but also getting better and better with each passing week. A good little quiet run here in 1981 Georgia really helped Jim Duggan. And he's not done. He's going to be around for in and out for the rest of the year. He sticks around for a little while longer. I know that but, for sure. But but also with this match with Wahoo, we're back to the Yerny Lad paradox again because we don't see Wahoo again for a while. That's right. He's actually scheduled for the Omni, but we'll talk more about that when we get to the Omni here in just a couple minutes as we continue on with the show. One more soundbite this week. This time, it's a promo from Bruiser Brody. Join me here. He's been running roughshod over opponents uh, ever since he arrived here in the... Uh... You know, you got Indians around here, you got muscle men around here, and you got a bunch of silly-looking blondes imposing as men around here. Let me explain something to you. I made it real clear. Evidently, you want to sacrifice this young Bruce Reed for the job that nobody else can do. Well, it suits me. I know Bruce Reed from a long time ago. I beat him many times. And I'm telling you, he's going to be in the first match. He's going to be in the last match. And when I say the last match, I mean the last match in the state of Georgia. Because I'm going to run him out before he lives up to any of that gaga that you've been spreading around about him. Furthermore, I want to make sure you know I'm the janitor. I'm here to clean up the stink that's been hanging here for the last year and a half. A few moments later, you were in a match against a man by the name of Tommy Wright. You had already defeated the man. The match was over. The referee was uh, uh, gone from the scene. And suddenly you went back into the ring to continue punishing this man. Why? Gordon, you don't understand. And evidently the promoter here don't understand either. If I can't get in the ring with the world's champion when I come to Atlanta, Georgia, then I don't belong in the ring with nobody. If I can't get in the ring with the number one guy here in the area, 
then I don't belong in the ring. Well, you may have I have, have found... no intentions of continually going out here with the garbage you throw me in the ring with. Well, all right, I'll tell you what, then. Let's take a look. He was punishing Tommy Wright. No question about this. When one man decided it was time to I put a stop... I was doing what I wanted to do to uh -huh. him. Uh-huh. Let's go to the closing moments of the situation, if we may. I will say one thing. It seems to me you left the ring rather hurriedly. <laughs> you know, I'm not only big, but I'm smart. You know, Bruce Reed, you mind me when I went fishing and put one of those little minnows on the hook and threw it in the ocean, and one of them great big dumb catfish opened his big yapper and took it in his mouth. Then I took him home, skinned the hide right off of him, and ate him. Ate him. Thank you very much, uh, Bruiser Brody. I think that is sufficient. So there it is. Bruiser Brody, let me set the stage for you guys who haven't watched the video. Uh, he's back out here with Gordon Soley holding a mop as a prop. Brody is the janitor now of Georgia Championship Wrestling, or so he says. He's here to clean up all the trash. And in between bleeping Brody's apparently racist obscenities here, Bruiser acknowledging he knows Bruce Reed from somewhere else, and he's beat him before. He says that Butch Reed may have had his first match here today in Georgia, but he'll have his last match in the ring against Bruiser Brody when he runs him off. So Brody also taking exception to his competition thus far. A little upset that he's been giving these preliminary guys each and every week, which is why he's sending that message and, and basically laying them out. But he's in for a rude awakening when he tries that stuff on Bruce Reed. <laughs> well, as we've already seen, and that will continue on here, as uh, also here on television this week, national tag team champions, the Freebirds, Gordy and Roberts over Larry Brock and Rick Stevens. It's NWA World Champion Harley Race back out again, getting a win back here, scoring a win over Jerry Oates by pinfall. Likely a solid TV match there. Haven't been able to find it on video. Also, more more title action or more championship action. Uh, champion in the ring, national heavyweight champion Steve-O. Still haven't heard a promo from Mr. Personality since his return, but it is Steve-O defeating Bruce Foster. And supposedly the top champion of the territory is Steve-O. He wins the belt, goes to Japan, Jamie comes back, and thus far, he's playing like fifth fiddle as a babyface. In, in my opinion, at this point, the Georgia title is back to number one. It was just when Stomper had the belt and Atlas wasn't around too much that the national title kind of got pushed into that number one spot. Right, but yeah, so you're right. Since, since Steve-O has returned, he's just Steve-O and, and has a belt holding up his trunks. That's that's basically the way it's been after all of the work they were doing trying to build them up prior to. And I know, again, the bookers have changed a couple of times since, you know, Steve-O was starting to get that push. But, well, we'll see how that plays out for Olsonowski moving forward as we close out TV this week. The final matchup sees Ricky Gibson go to a TV time limit draw against Bobby Eaton. Both hours, interestingly enough, ending in a draw. Uh, another change in the booking, it would seem. We'll see if that becomes a weekly thing here on the booking. Uh, hour number one, of course, Mike Sharp, Kim Batera going to the TV time. And now Ricky Gibson, Bobby Eaton doing the same thing. Now, sadly, this is going to be Bobby Eaton, his run coming to an end here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, he's had a nice six-month run also. Yeah, Eaton's been here. He's been learning on the go. And obviously, we know where his career goes from here straight up to the top. So, uh, I'm sad that when we're going to lose him, but at least we know he's going to be utilized even better moving forward in other places. Yeah, so whatever he learned here was valuable uh, training. It was certainly better than the Jets set, I would have to imagine, with George Goulas as your partner. Poor George. 
So the Omni, Jamie, major matches changed. Buck Robley angle dropped. Felt like the Freebirds were on the back burner this week on TV beyond getting Butch Reed over in the opening segment. All the while, Michael Hayes, he has a dog collar blow off match with Junkyard Dog, who he has blinded twice now, coming up tomorrow night. I'm just not a fan of how some of the things were handled here on TV. Really no mention of JYD and Hayes, the dog collar match. It's like George Scott said, well, I can't really change that match, but I don't really want to push it either. Well, he didn't need to push that because anybody going to see that match already bought their tickets. Well, that's fine and dandy, but you're not even going to mention it. You're you're not going to do a go-home promo. Michael Hayes loves to talk anyway. It's just really odd. I mean, I I, I hate to... But you know how some bookers were. They they didn't want to acknowledge what was previous. And that wasn't wasn't just here with George Scott. It was... You know, sometimes it was the same thing in Florida or in Memphis, anywhere. You know, the change of bookers, they they want to do their own thing. And well, they I want can... to move on as quick as they can from, from the what other... the last guy had set up. Sure, but it's just money. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I felt like you could have done something. Not not, talk, not talking about an angle. You, you know, that, that story has already been told. Just anything, something to, you know, hard sell. The, the, the final hours, I, I don't know if this show was already... S- s- sold out. I, I could be wrong on this stuff here in 1981 Georgia with George Scott, but he was atrocious in 1989 NWA. You would think that at least uh, we're not getting to see it here, but that the best of show on Sunday probably pushed it. I little, certainly hope something. Too little too late, but you would imagine there was probably some kind of Michael Hayes interview but for I mean, that and the cage match. You know, I got to wonder here, maybe there's something going on. George Scott, like I said, he was he was not good in that short run with 89 in the NWA. Oh, his, oh. his world-class stuff wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire either prior to that. I'm not even sure how much he really he really was booking during his WWF run versus maybe helping Vince in the office bringing some of that talent in like a like a Ricky Steamboat and things. And I'm not saying George Scott didn't have a hand in the success of that magical Jim Crockett promotions run of the late seventies into the early eighties. Some say, you know, he was intricate in that. Some say he simply had an insane roster of talent to work with and that anyone could have got that shit over Jamie, but this booking in Georgia this week, it just felt like, okay, I'm the booker now. So we're just going to do what I want and to hell with the stories that were already being told for months. And I'm going to push my guys over the guys that were already established here. And I'm not ripping on the talent that he's, he's trying to you know, bring in quickly, the Andersons and things like that. It's just the abrupt changes. I'm not a fan. Yeah, well, maybe George and Watts never got along. Maybe it's something you know, along those lines. I mean, as far as George Scott later on, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I think Vince hired him to destroy both places. <laughs> oh. I see. Well, that's a good conspiracy theory. I would have to, I would have to think, but yeah, I just, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I just, I don't mind the matches. I just, it's just like, dude, you got another Omni show in another two or three weeks. Let's, let's save some of it for there and let's do the right thing and, and blow this shit off, especially I, I just mean, for your fans. You know, obviously something happened during the course of that week. Sure. To have Scott take over earlier. Did Barnett and, Watts maybe have a few words going out the door and said, George, I I need you here earlier to just do whatever you want to get this, you know, first show out of the way. We've got a pretty good advance, so you don't have to do much, maybe a little tinkering here and there and, 
you'll get the uh, the show solely because it's not like Watts' guys refuse to perform. They're all still on the show, just in different matches. Right. It's just, I don't know, man. I'm not a big fan of the whole switching everything like that. I, it really, I mean, a good booker should be able to work with what they have and, and continue to tell the story. But that's just my opinion. And I don't, I don't hey, mind I changing something, but there was a lot of things changed here that I just wasn't a fan of. Hey, next time you have Bob Roop, maybe Bob Roop might have some knowledge of that situation. Because him and Watts were tight. Sure. But that's Roop doesn't come in until the fall of 81 in Mid-South. But, you know, I could, I could talk I about Bob knows a lot of things that he wasn't even a part of. I'll say that much. And it's not just wrestling fishtail stories either. I mean, right. he's pretty damn dead on accurate. That's why I'm saying maybe even if you don't have it on the show itself, maybe just say, hey, Bob, what do you do you know anything about this? about the switch from Watts to Scott. Maybe he can fill you in a hole there. Yeah, if he's ever heard the story, I'm sure he remembers it, man. He never forgets. So uh, we're going to finish up here, guys. A couple of cards. First, May the 30th, the night of this TBS program, Chattanooga, Tennessee at the Memorial Auditorium. I don't have results, but on the card, it was Robert Gibson against Gypsy Joe, Jerry Oates taking on Brian St. John, Bobby Eaton going up against Mike Sharp, and in the main event, it was the Freebirds taking on Ricky Gibson, and wildfire Tommy Rich as we fast forward. One more show to look at here, Jamie, before we close out the night. May the 31st, Atlanta, Georgia, in the Omni. And in the opener, going to see Robert and Ricky Gibson team up to defeat the team of Bobby Eaton and the French Angel. Bruce Reed showing up to score a win over Big Jim Duggan. Hey, Battle of the Hacksaws early on. Also, listen to this one. National heavyweight champion Steve-O subbing for Wahoo McDaniel. Steve-O over Brian St. John, so likely not a title match. But how do you like that, Jamie? Your national heavyweight champion wasn't even booked on the Omni card. Oh, that's what I'm saying. The, the national title just wasn't that important at the time. I mean, the national title doesn't become important again until, spoiler, the mass superstar returns. It just seems like they sent Steve-O off to get him some seasoning, uh, to send him over there to Japan and really get himself over internationally like they had something planned for him when he got back but when he comes back there's not not a whole lot for him yeah now we got the change of bookers and and even before that maybe watts wasn't ready for him to come back it very well could be that maybe maybe i'm reading too much into it maybe you're right maybe once everything changed up maybe steve-o was never intended for anything more than what's going on right now it just seems really odd Plus, to me. I, I felt like they had some kind of momentum for him whether he's really mr personality or not i, I just i don't know man Plus, it was Fuller's the one that gives him the push. Sure. And then they put the national title on him, kind of at the change of the Fuller watch change, and Watts just rode with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then Watts, Watts sent him off. So maybe he just wasn't a Bill Watts kind of guy. Yeah, I'm not really sure how this works. I guess we'll just continue. And Watts to... didn't, yeah, and Watts didn't care about the national title because he had the Georgia title and the world title he was dealing with. Right. Plus, he had the Freebirds on top with the national or Georgia, whatever they wanted to call that tag team title that week. Sure, right. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we get a rematch from TV here. Iron Mike Sharp defeating Ken Patera by disqualification. Also on the card, Ted DiBiase defeating Nikolai Volkov. And then here we go. Steel cage match, as promised. The Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Gene Anderson, return to town and defeat the national tag team champion, Fabulous Freebirds. Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts inside the steel cage. God, I hope there's footage of that out there somewhere. I don't think there is. I'm guessing that was a non-title match, too. Non-title, right, because the Andersons do go over on the Freebirds here. Battle of the Heel teams, 
show goes on, though. There's more big action. Junkyard Dog. Uh, what a way to in the story here, defeating Michael Hayes in that dog collar match. So the Birds lose, tag team matchup, and then Michael Hayes turns around, loses to the dog as well. The only way to do it. Just a bad night for the Freebirds. Well, you know Hayes went out and blew that $10,000 after the show. <laughs> went out in a blaze of glory for sure here. Oh, absolutely. And with Bill Watts gone, I'm I'm assuming, without looking too far ahead, this is probably the end of the Junkyard Dog as well. He's headed back to the Mid-South full-time. Yeah, I think maybe we might see one more appearance, if I remember correctly, but yeah, you don't see him on TV again. Uh, the action continues on. Another match we just learned about the prior day, Bruiser Brody. Imagine this one, going to a no contest with Abdullah the Butcher. Brody repeatedly mentioned wrestling Abby on TV, but again, no build to this main event type matchup. Abby just randomly in here, no promotion, no build. Yes, people know the name. I get it, but still just odd that you would have a match like this without any real build. But here we go. Once <laughs> you've heard it once, You've heard it a thousand times, Brody and Abdullah going to a no contest. I mean, these guys could have wrestled blindfolded. And sure they could have. Still put, did I ever tell you about the, uh, just a sidetrack one more time. So myself, Tom Robinson, another guy named Eddie Gray, went to a Davey O'Hannon show in Wildwood, New wow. Jersey. Yeah. Uh, this is probably 86 or 87. And the main event was, was Brody Abdullah. And we're sitting up in the stands by ourselves. Show didn't draw that much. Don't you know they have to find their way right up where we are? <laughs> well, yeah, they got to find and, the fans. And, 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 and I guess because we were the only fans there. And uh, and they came right up at us, and we, we ran for our lives. Uh, you know, it was, it was a double juice fest and everything. I'm sure. So double DQ, show ends. So we're, we decide we're going to be smart asses. We wait out in the parking lot for like two hours waiting for Abby and Brody to come out so we could try to get a picture or an autograph. Well, they come out with crazy Luke Graham who worked the show <laughs> and they wind up getting into a Cadillac with Brody driving. Oh my. Uh, they didn't look like they want to be bothered. So we ended up not right. approaching. However, Mr. Robinson says, Hey, let's follow them. They're probably going back to Philly. Maybe we'll catch them at the airport. So we start following him out of Wildwood onto this old road. And, uh, you know, it's not well lit. Right. And we're the only two cars. Well, anyway, <laughs> the, ca- the, the, the caddy all of a sudden makes a left. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, boy, this, this can't be good. <laughs> well, we make the left with them. We get about 200 feet. The caddy stops. All three jump out of the car, start running at our car. <laughs> and I just put it in reverse, afraid I didn't wind up going into a ditch right. and got the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. They, those those they guys were pros. Told. You think they didn't realize they were being followed? They didn't know. Oh, well, yeah. They, they didn't know what you guys had. Your intentions were, especially following them around like that. What, what's wrong with you guys? Damn marks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had a um, <laughs> I had an 86 Mustang at the time. So, nice. I, I mean, at least I had a nice car. I wasn't Absolutely. Just, Following them around in a big pickup truck or something, right, ready uh, to yeah. loaded with shotguns or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, but still, that was a that was a scary moment when you see those three guys get out of a car and start charging you. Yeah, especially when if Luke Graham's hauling ass, Abdullah hauling ass. Yeeks. Oh yeah, well, and Brody, all three of them. Well, Brody, I buy dashing for my uh, 
my Mustang. Thank God we got out of there. Or no we wouldn't kidding. be talking today, probably. Oh, man, that would have been a fun story if somebody would have told it, you know, relayed that, you know, down the line, though. <laughs> oh, these poor, poor wrestling fans. Oh, anyways, uh, guys. We were really, degenerates back in the days. What can I say? Yeah, when you could get away with it. I so, mean, I was 20 years old. I should have known better. Yeah, I was 20 years old once upon a time, too. Uh, I get what you mean. So Brody and Abby go into a no contest here. Probably no follow-up. I would have to guess here in the future weeks on TV with that one. As we go into the main event, it's wildfire. Tommy rich defeating the NWA world heavyweight champion, Harley race on a disqualification. So race going to retain that title. It's also reported in several results that I, I, I've found are all about online and, and other research I've done and the old uh, bulletins and things of that nature that Bruce Reed defeated Bruiser Brody by DQ, also called a forfeit here, and a lights-out match. Now, the entire idea of a lights-out match is it's unsanctioned, so I don't know how there could be a DQ here. I've also seen it reported as forfeit. So it makes me wonder, did Brody not come out? I mean, the match wasn't really announced. It was kind of, you know, teased on TV. I'm sure maybe they announced it at some point, maybe on the Sunday show. I'm not really sure. Maybe Bruce Reed called out Brody. But it says forfeit, so I'm wondering, does Brody just not show up? Does he come out and, you know, take a quick beating and take a bump through the ropes and just walk away? I'm not really sure what the end game was here for Butch Reed and Bruiser Brody, but it's reportedly a matchup to some degree with Bruce Reed scoring the forfeiture win. My guess is that Brody gets his ass kicked a little bit and runs off. Yeah, that's, you know, the old Lou Albano gimmick there. <laughs> and, and and him and Reed were, as I'm, I'm speculating anyway, he probably had something to do with Reed getting booked here. Yeah, well, it's like you said. You said this. So this thing. way he could put Reed over without without doing a job for him. Without having to do too much there. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. And so there it is. It's another Omni card in the books. Another month in the books. The month of May now behind us. We're heading into the month of June, Jamie, as we move forward. And things continue to change even more. Oh, they will change with the new booker in town. New talent coming in almost constantly now at this point. And a lot of talent here still at the same time. So going to be very interesting the summer of 1981. Yeah, I can't wait till uh, the two of us get together again and do it one more time. Absolutely. We're going to wrap it up here this week, guys. I know we ran a little long. We tend to do that, Jamie. We start talking and lots of just a fun time to be had. Uh, but I just appreciate you making the time and, and being able to get another show in the books here. Georgia Championship Wrestling 81, always a great time. And it's one, one of the highlights of my month. Always a highlight every time I have you or Roman on the show. You guys are both a fun time. Two completely different territories, even though they're a few years apart, still feels like two completely different eras in wrestling, and it's just been fun to cover both of them. Yeah, and you get two different kind of guys. You get the, the crazy guy in May, and you get the nice, <laughs> nice level-headed Roman. Very subdued, <laughs> but very, yeah, very, very he's subdued very fun, guy. very fun to talk to. Oh, wait until you meet him. I believe he's coming in April also. Wow. Well, I, I certainly hope so. That'll be fun. Yeah, he, he told me the other day he was pr uh, trying to come. So oh, we'll have to wait we'll and see what happens there. I know some of your buddies from the other ship going to participate as well. Oh, yeah. All those guys will be there also. And if, if you're wondering what we're talking about, uh, Barry Rose is teaming up with Captain Nick Massey. Barry used to do the CWF Legends Fan Fest in Tampa. Right. Well, he has a new partner in Captain Nick Massey. And I believe they're calling it the uh, Glory, Glory Days. Days. GrappleCon. Uh, GrappleCon, that's it, in mm -hmm. Orlando, Florida, uh, on April 19th and 20th. On the 19th, they're having a uh, 
wrestling show just for uh, I mean, it'll be open to the public, but it's more just for the fans that are attending the uh, the GrappleCon. And right. then on Saturday, it'll be the GrappleCon itself. But I mean, I'm going. Um, I'm actually my wife is going to make her professional wrestling uh, fan fest debut. As is mine. I, as am I. I too am a wrestling fan fest virgin, Jamie. So, and uh, if anybody wants to go to this thing, I mean, I'm sure you'll have more information coming up, right? You should go. It, it's a wonderful time. Plus, you get to meet all these different uh, names that you see on Facebook and some of the other uh, fan pages. That's right. Uh, most of them will all be there. And some legendary wrestlers headed in as well. Barry Rose going to be announcing a lot of that here in the weeks to come. So stay tuned. Check it out on social media. Look around. It's the uh, Glory Days GrappleCon coming in April of 2024. And I can spoil the one. I don't know if you heard it, but they did announce Secret Service Jack Victory. There you go. That's what I'm talking we'll about. We'll be there. I watch a lot of Jacko as of late in uh, the UWF 1986, so it'll be fun to chat with him. He is very underrated. Absolutely. Jack of all trades. No pun yes, intended. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to wrap it up here, Jamie, this week. I know we ran a little long. I do apologize for keeping you around this long. Uh, time's click- clicking down. I don't know if you got to work tomorrow, but if so, again, I do apologize as We'll uh, close the shop up here. If you got anything you want to add here before we say goodnight. Yeah, I got a couple of plugs I like to throw out there. Sure. Uh, the, the first one is a, a longtime friend, Benji Fido, who listens to our show and Roman show every time, every regional wrestling podcast that is. Benji in real life is a disc jockey up in uh, upstate New York, station 96.5 WCKM. And he's on every Saturday from 10 to 5 and Sunday 92. He plays uh, classic rock, stuff from the 60s to the 90s, or as they refer to themselves, everything from the Beatles to the Bee Gees. There you go. So if you're up in that upper state, New York, see if you can catch uh, Benji on 96.5 WCKM. And then the other people I'd like to uh, plug is the Other Ship Podcast, which I see you getting a little more involved in the – facebook page over there which is a good thing right sure yeah it's uh it's a fun time yeah we got uh chris spikers the host and then there's drew samuels and william merriweather along with producer extraordinaire michael herrick not only do they speak wrestling the last couple shows they covered horror movies halloween candy uh fast food uh sports movies and this uh episode that just dropped Mm mm-hmm on October 29th features yours truly. There we go. Back for another another trip on the other ship where we discuss Halloween havoc over the years from 89 what the the 2001 and uh and I give my insightful commentary on some of the matches that occurred during those years. Not not really insightful, but my commentary anyway. <laughs> so the other ship have beamed you up yet again, Jamie Ward, for another show. Very cool to hear. But, Looking forward but they to let me that. back down so I could be back here with you, right? Well, I, they, I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that even more because I need you here as well. But uh, yeah, guys, uh, that, that's going to wrap it up here this week. Closing out the month of May, heading into June 1981. Now in Georgia Championship Wrestling, lots of big things ahead. Going to cover more TV, maybe another Omni card next time around. We'll have to wait and see. See how it goes. But uh, Jamie, just want to say, I appreciate you being here again, man, making the time for me. You always do. And uh, looking forward to doing more of this very soon. My pleasure. And and again, we're going to get more Ernie Ladd Paradox. So everybody stay tuned and find out who's next in the Ernie Ladd Paradox. Who's next indeed.
All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up here this week for Regional Wrestling. I want to thank Jamie Ward one more time, closing out the month of May. You can expect more from Jamie in the weeks to come, as well as more from Roman Gomez, UWF 1986, right around the corner as well. And maybe maybe another surprise on the way here as well on Regional Wrestling. Of course, I am your host, Ray Russell. You can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. It's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. And we'll be back soon, guys, with more Regional Wrestling, where we talk the territories. Mm-hmm.